does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Holmgren will pass it up to Matherin. Matherin down to the baseline. Tough jumper. Good, and it's over. Benedict Matherin with a hand in his face. 18 points for the Indiana Pacer. Second-year man, and he leads Team Jalen into the championship. They're getting some good-looking shots here. This is Halliburton, no good. Miles Turner left to the mark. 23 seconds to go. Shot in the air goes! Tyrese Halliburton holding the pose with 20.5 seconds to go. And the hometown team has done it again. Team Pacers are your champs. It's good to have success here in Indy. Uh, the fans wanted to see us you know, have a good showing, and we did. Uh, now it's time for me to hold my end of the bargain three-point contest. Second one, 22. Third one on its way, 24. Fourth one's good, 26. And his last ball, oh, he missed it. Short and flat to the side. 26 for Halliburton, tying Trey Young. 17-14 East behind this man, Halliburton. Oh, a logo three. He's feeling it, and he knocks it home. An early show for Tyrese Halliburton. Five for five from distance. Yes, the sounds of the weekend. Welcome in on this Monday, Indianapolis. We're broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. It's the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bowen. Boy, he's going to be a tired Kevin Bowen today after last night's festivities. Uh, I'm Andy Sweeney. Great job there from Mark Dighton. We got you for the next three hours. A busy, busy weekend in Indianapolis is in the books. I'm sure everyone will have their all-star game hot takes out there on this Monday. And we'll talk about that little college basketball as Indiana and Purdue. Not good for them. Not good for Butler. And we'll talk about it over the next three hours. KB, a good morning to you, sir. Yeah, I know. I'm glad that we have the all-star highlights because certainly no college basketball such from the weekend. Uh, Don't forget about JMV Sycamores as well. He was doom and gloom when I went on with him yesterday for an all-star game preview. But you know about them, at least now they're not, they can't blame the committee. Now they know (laughs) that they're going to have to win the conference They've taken it out of the committee's hands is what you're saying? Usually we like it the other way when they win so many games they've taken it out of the committee's hands but now they know they have to go all the way in the valley but anyway go ahead Purdue favored Ooh. lose Indiana I, I was shocked to see they were actually favored they lose Indiana State favored they lose uh, <laughs> not good college basketball whatsoever from the weekend and obviously a whole lot on the all-star game front uh, just generally I would say this first couple things pop in my head the all-star game is just a horrible product of basketball um, <laughs> Um, there was a lot of talk and hype. What will the game be like? It, it really has come down to just how far can you shoot and who hits the most threes during the game. Like that's that. I mean that yeah. that decides yeah. the game. Um, and I, I love the booze for Damian Lillard. I, I oh, really fantastic. hope that we get we get more of this Bucks Pacers <laughs> rivalry. Honestly, Andy, they should have stopped the game after Halliburton hit his fifth three and handed him the MVP. Then. 
Well, I mean, Halliburton played 27 minutes. Uh, the only one on the East to play more was Damian Lillard. This is Doc Rivers. The only good thing Doc Rivers has done for Damian Lillard or the Milwaukee Bucks in two weeks. That's it right there. I love it. Yeah, you boo him. That's boo Lillard right off the stage. Seven to That's fantastic. was the MVP <laughs> vote for Lillard. I honestly thought, like, co-MVP. And Lillard gunned, and he clearly, I mean, his post-game comments said it. He clearly was going for this award, but I, I, I just I don't know if I can get all up in arms about it because the game is so <laughs> bad. I, I don't care that the game's bad. Like I was I was driving in listening to ESPN radio and But it takes like all the were, big dudes out of the game. I, I know they like were, I mean Jokic shouldn't even be on the floor, right? Really. They were they were and by the way, Jokic and Luca, like can Luca jump over a phone book? My man was uh, was moving in slow motion, if you will. Stuff I just by the rim on one of those I just listen, attempts. the NFL took this out of our control. The NFL's like, all right, everyone's going to keep complaining about our game. We're just going to make it a flag football game and then, you know, have Gardner Minshew, a third or fourth-rate quarterback in the NFL, throw at some cones. Like, that's, like, we're just kind of, I don't know if we're giving in, but we're kind of giving in. I understand it's not at the end of the season why the NBA cannot do that, but here's the thing. I have never in my radio career had the, and I know nationally this will be a story, okay? Again, I've already heard it on ESPN Radio. The the complaining about the game, like, I just, I don't have it in me, KB. Like, I knew what we were going to get. I knew we were going to get no defense, logo threes, walk-in layups, walk-in dunks. And you can't do anything about it. Baseball tried. Baseball said, we're going to make this home field advantage in the World Series, which is about the dumbest rule that's ever been created in sports. So, I don't know. I mean, do you really care? Well, see, that's, they score 200 that's points? the domino effect for me. If I don't care about the game, how can I care about the MVP award? Well, I don't care about the MVP right. award. Yeah, but but Indiana fans will care. You know what I'm saying? About though? The like, MVP it's just award. like okay, oh, I'm with you. Uh, you know, Lillard versus Halliburton <laughs> shooting from the volleyball line. That's pretty much what Listen, it came it was down a great to. Great weekend for Halliburton yeah, and awesome the Pacers. Weekend. It, Turner, loved it. Matherin, like, the whole atmosphere. Um, like I just found myself driving in this morning, being like, and again, I am heavily biased, Andy, but it's just like. I'm proud of our city being able to put on the type of event that I felt like was put put on. I mean, from an efficiency standpoint, from a passion standpoint, from sure. a uniqueness standpoint, to me, when you're putting on these sorts of events and they're annual events, that's how you separate your yourself from other, you know, cities. And whether it is, again, passion, the efficiency, or the uniqueness, I feel like we routinely check all of those boxes. And and like I am heavily biased. I am the exact wrong person to sit here and give some, you know, unfiltered take on because I, I clearly I want these events to be in our city more than they have been. Uh, but the you know times that I was downtown all weekend long, I felt like we did an outstanding job with that. It's unfortunate that Mother Nature reared her ugly head for really like the first time in hell months uh, with the weather there, but didn't think it was too much of a hindrance there. And now, if you're Tyrese Halliburton, you do absolutely nothing today. You treat this day like it is literally Sunday after a bachelor party, and you don't show your face. You don't get out of bed. He, he has an IV you, brought to him, brought to his room, he wherever he's at. Okay. You don't need to do it. I mean, I'm watching him last night. I'm sitting there at uh, at Cambridge Fieldhouse, and I'm like, he's still wearing, he's wearing the back pad when he comes over 
He's like you. In between and breaks, are, are I'm you, like, are you wearing the back pad simply in solidarity uh, solidarity uh, with Tyrese Halliburton? What's going on with you? It, him and I are doing the That's Spider Man meme. The back, how is the back? By uh, the way, it, Everything okay? it, is, it is getting better, All but right. uh, yeah, like Halliburton. I'm sure the Twenty degree weather really helped over the weekend. I'm still doing that. So yes, <laughs> it is rest, rest, rest. We'll have Rick Carlisle on tomorrow. The Pacers will get back to practice tomorrow, Thursday, their first game, and then we reset. And we move forward to the final 26 You put them in season. one of those stand-up things where they, they, they turn the temperature all the way down to like 100 below. Have you seen those? I've never actually been in one of those. And then they have the thing that looks like a sleeping bag, those chambers. Yeah, That's I'm not, what he needs to be in for the next 24 hours. I am absolutely not not tough enough to <laughs> last there. I, I will say, and I think Mark Dighton, uh, he was down there nearly the same time. So the Fan Fest, the crossover... Uh, we either did the best job of promoting that KB, or they didn't need our promotion. Because I think everyone in Indianapolis was, was, at, was at the NBA crossover on Saturday afternoon. Like, I mean, everyone in the city in Indianapolis. That thing was fun. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, had, we it was a pain in the ass getting out of there, but it was a fun as hell time. I don't know if any either of you went, but it was, oh, yeah, it was KB, real yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughters had a blast. There Good was job. Players left and right. There was a G League slam dunk contest going on. I ran it in, was really, really cool. I ran cool. into... Uh, and I'm not exactly sure which rendition he's going by, but I, I nearly ran and looked up, nearly ran into Ron Artest. Oh, yeah. And that I would be one of the last people you would ever want to see because that is a scary, menacing individual who still looks like, you know, he could go out and give you 12 and 8 tonight. I thought we, you know, one of the coolest moments of All-Star Weekend for me was last night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I think it was after the first quarter, the Pacers honored some of their former All-Stars. Um, I don't know, nine, ten of them put them on the Jumbotron, and you know it was such a long time out. You actually had a good amount of the NBA current All-Stars looking at the Jumbotron and watching. I'm looking down there, Tyrese Halliburton's clapping after each one is introduced. One of the loudest cheers for any of them was our test, easily. I mean, certainly Reggie had Reggie, and that goes sure. without saying. Jermaine O'Neal, very deserved recognition. But I thought pretty cool. Ron rocking his Pacers hat there. Uh, basketball indoor theme park. That's what I called it Friday during the show. Uh, I thought the crossover was great. Yeah, it was packed. Tons of great activation stuff over there. Um, I, you know, Saturday night inside of Lucas Oil, guys. I, I feel like the one thing that needs to become annual for the All Star Game is, and Caitlin Clark's presence will only help us. I think probably the best moment of the weekend, or at least one of them, was Steph versus um, Sabrina Nascu. Yeah. I mean, when she hit those first six or seven threes to open up Saturday night, that was that <laughs> that might have been the loudest cheer of the night. Inside of that building. And you had the Pacers win a team event in that arena. I thought that was really cool. Like, dunk contest. It, it, nowadays, we have seen, I think, so many of the dunks. It just rewards the little guy. And Mac McClung has... It happened with Nate Robinson. Remember, he missed like 33 dunks in a row. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like you watch Jalen Brown dunk or you watch, yeah. you know, Jaime or even, you know, Toppin's I brother. Top, I thought Toppin was pretty good, actually. Right, yeah. but it's like... You just walk away and you aren't as blown away as you used to be because these guys are just so athletic and they make it look so easy. Mac McClung, it's like, wow, he is really springy. He's dunking over Shaq. He, you know, he did kind of the double clutch with the ball, one of his early dunks. That was the best dunk of the night, I thought. That the one. the I, one where he like dropped the ball and yeah, caught, like it caught it and caught I, it again. I, thought, and that, it. I yeah. thought that was. I agree with you. I I did think as an aside that was that was pretty clean. I you, like the uh, the uh, the lid. There, the floor. How did that LED look? floor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed like the variety of different floors sure. that you saw. Again, for me inside of Lucas Oil, this goes back to the announcement last summer, and this goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. How do you separate yourself from these other All Star cities? 
And what did our host committee decide? Hey, instead of having every single event inside of our NBA arena, what if we go across the street and keep it in the downtown radius, but double the amount of people you're going to get in the building? And sure, it is at the end of the day, it's still a basketball court in a football stadium. Like the intimacy of that is not going to be great. But at the end of the day, if you get 35,000 people in there and you open it up to an extra, whatever, 16,000, 17,000 people, that to me is all that matters. And that was kind of what I felt inside of Lucas Oil Stadium on, on Saturday night there. So uh, good Monday morning. I don't know if we've even said that. Good Monday morning to our audience out President's there. President's Day. Happy President's Day Happy to everybody. Happy President's Day, certainly. Kid, kids have off, right, Mark? Your kids are off oh, school? Oh, yeah. They, they were up late last night. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna no be... school. You can stay up. <laughs> Maddie's okay. like, oh, gosh, can you please leave the show right as it ends to come home and help out? So, uh, yes, good luck to everyone out there dealing with that here on this Monday morning. Tony East saw him last night in the building, 830 today. Greg Doyle also in the building last night coming up. At nine o'clock, Doyle called uh, Lillard a pig. I love that. Lillard was gunny. I did think, (laughs) honestly, the most memorable part of last night. I think we'll like if anyone even goes down this path, it'll be like, what do you remember from the NBA All Star Game in Indianapolis in 2024? I think the Halliburton flurry to start the game. Oh, absolutely, will be the most memorable moment. But Lillard literally just stepping into half court shots and hitting the both both of them that he took. I thought Halliburton deserved MVP unquestionably, but then when Lillard hit the second half-court shot, and it literally looked like he was just stepping into a free throw. Yeah. I'm like, gosh, he is really talented. Yeah, and he's he's also going, at that point, you're like, yeah, he's probably going to win the MVP. I don't know. I mean, Halliburton didn't win the MVP, but you got to boo Lillard. I don't know. There is a trade-off there that wasn't so bad, but I mean, honestly, Is this a rivalry? Me, like, it, yeah, is yeah. that Dame time? There, was was Damian Lillard there's not no passing the ball it. to Tyrese there's Halliburton no doubt about because it. he did his celebration in Vegas? Doc Rivers, uh, the Bucks coach, playing him the most minutes on the Eastern mm-hmm. side. I, I believe in all of that. Uh, I've already made it known. Like, I'm not hot takey about the style of the game. I did think, like you, maybe until the end, that Halliburton was going to win MVP. But I will say this. For people that are mad and want to boo him and call him a pig, I, I listen, I have no problem with, with any of that. We can get our jokes off this morning. For me, real talk, I just thought it was a good weekend for the Pacers. Like, I want to talk about this at 7.30, but, you know, I was wrong about about Matherin. Like, I was like, hey, you need to go bubble wrap for three or four days. And he had uh, a very nice weekend. And for me, it was... It was a celebration, maybe not a celebration, it was at least an acknowledgement from the NBA that there is a good young team with a good young marketable uh, star here in Halliburton. And it was just a, it was just a good weekend. I mean, I mean, from uh, Friday night to Saturday night and into what Halliburton did, the flurry at the beginning. Yeah. Again, he could have, should have won MVP, but it was an acknowledgement from the NBA that the Pacers got a little bit of something cooking. And now for me, you know, the, the day, Days of acknowledgement and praise and ah, it's a young team and they're up and coming and Halliburton and Mather and having a big weekend and everything else. Now, now it's let's go win some games. They have been, you know, and that's kind of my thing this morning. We'll talk about it all week is you have had 
you've had the up and down play. You've had the injuries. Good God, this team has had some injuries and some inconsistent play. Now it's time to be healthy, and now it's time to be consistent, and now it's time to be good. And and I thought it was a, it was a good recharge and a good celebration for the Pacers. And now they get a couple days off, and now they got to get going. Thursday, Pistons in town. For those that did watch the Rising Stars game Friday night, boy, circle Benedict Mather against Jay Nivey. The first mm-hmm. time those two are matching up against each other. Come third, yeah, Matherin's just he, he he's simply crazy. I mean, like I I'm watching the Rising Star game Stars game on Friday night. I'm like, we're about ready to have a fight here. Like Matherin and Ivy are about ready to fight each other. And I guess fortunately it did not get to that. That that is the most competitive aspect to the night. It, I, I guess I don't want people to walk away, Andy, and think, you know, I can sit here and say the All Star game from any sort of semblance of competitive basketball is an absolute joke. Oh, sure it is. But that doesn't mean I don't think the weekend itself doesn't offer a really nice celebration for those stars. Like, I'm sitting there watching intros last night. I'm like, damn, this is really cool. Like, in our city, you're getting all of this, Big O and Reggie and Larry and all of that. And then, you know, they're showing celebrities at every single time out. I mean, it is a who's who in that building. That is pretty darn awesome for our city to be able to bask in that. Um, I thought the building itself looked great last night. Um, It was fun walking around and just seeing... Um, all of the atmosphere all weekend long and certainly made up for an ugly, ugly weekend college basketball-wise here locally. So plenty to get to on that front. Again, the Colts offseason about to really pick up here potentially as early as tomorrow. We'll explain that. Michael Pittman has had some comments about business is business. What do we read into that? If anything, as the franchise tag window opens up tomorrow, We'll hit on that as well. Again, Tony East joining us at 8.30. Greg Doyle coming up at 9. Thank you for spending this Monday morning with us. It is the wake-up call here. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, and Mark Dykton on 93.5-1075, The Fan. All right, morning check down time. Reminder, Tony East going to join us coming up at 8.30. Greg Doyle will join us coming up at 9 o'clock. We'll get to the NBA All-Star festivities here in just a second. But a uh, an ugly weekend, quite frankly, of college basketball. Purdue, Purdue losers yesterday. And I got to say, it's really one of the first times I was disappointed in Purdue. Uh, the majority of this game, so you bet on them at halftime. 69. Well, I mean, come on, you get them at minus one and a half. Ugh, I, I just thought they were just kind of weak. I don't know. I just think they were they weren't strong with the ball. They they go after loose balls. They weren't the first one to the floor. Like those types of plays you usually see from them. I don't know. Edie was. I know he had foul trouble, but I just I didn't like how they played. Uh, they didn't make any threes. A bench didn't do a damn thing. So anyway, seventy three sixty nine post game. Matt Painter on the loss. They did some really good. They did some really good things. I think the stat that probably jumps out to me is their points off of turnovers. Like, that's that's the game right there. If we take care of the basketball and those turnovers and we just miss shots, you know, we probably win the game. You know, we don't score the ball in any of those possessions. But now they're not running out and getting layups and uh, we're getting behind plays and fouling them and stuff. But, yeah, just, you know, we, we didn't play well enough, you know, to get the win. I mean, I would say it probably doesn't matter too much, but – uh, I would say people now have viewed Purdue as the overall number one seed, even though UConn has been the number one team. I think that flips. I, I think UConn not only will be the number one team, I think they will be viewed after that loss probably uh, as the overall number one seed. Rutgers up next. That's coming up on Thursday. Give me a swoosh. I do basketball. Uh, listen, it is what it is at this point. 76-72. That's your final. Mike Woodson, not happy post game. It's simple. You watched the same game I did. You got to make shots. 
you know, we had some good looks and we just didn't knock them down. I mean, it's nothing scientific about it. We, you know, we move the ball well enough to get open shots. You got to step up and make them. It's that simple. Yeah, same thing for Indiana. 12 of 21, 57% from the line, KB. 6 of 18, 33% from three. A couple late ones by McKenzie and Baco. Otherwise, he would have been in the game with four or five three-pointers. Again, they don't make threes. They don't make free throws. They can't shoot. They lose, and they lose to Northwestern. Yeah, you can ask for more in terms of Boo Booey getting that second foul midway through the first half. Didn't take advantage of it, and that was the end of that. Somewhat of a run, I guess, in the second half, but nothing towards the competitive nature to where you actually thought uh, to steal a phrase from Mike Woodson that they would get over the hump and uh, 0-4 now in his coaching career against Northwestern. Kind of crazy to say Northwestern has won three straight games in Bloomington, but... That's the reality of where we're at right now with Indiana. Again, Butler, Indiana State, both of them losing games that certainly hurt their bubble chances. It's crazy if you want to nerd out over the net, Andy, that Indiana State is still just 32nd in the net. I would have assumed these back-to-back losses would have had them totally bottoming out, but still uh, probably unlikely from an at-large bid standpoint. And Butler at Villanova coming up tomorrow. It was a ter- one of their worst halves of the year. Saturday, they actually were leading Creighton at halftime and got just beat down in the second half at Hinkle. So at Nova this week, at Seton Hall, those are a couple of important games. You can get a split there. You still feel very good about your bubble chances, but um, Butler right now, uh, they're going to show up in a lot of Dayton play-in games when you see the new brackets come out this week. Yeah, but, but KBB, teams always talk about you know having chances and everything like that. I mean, this Butler team had their chance. Right? These last three games, we talked about it when you had Marquette, Creighton, and Providence. We said you, you had a chance to submit yourself and to leave those three games feeling pretty good. And you had the lead by one at half on Saturday, and you got absolutely beat down in the second half. I mean, not that they aren't an NCAA tournament team, or they can't, but it was about kind of grabbing on to some of these opportunities. Like, that's what the Pacers did this weekend. They grabbed on to these opportunities. Butler had a couple home opportunities here this season recently and they didn't take advantage of any of them. Yeah, still 3-3 three and three in this six-game stretch filled with quad one opportunities. So not the end of the world by any means, but again, opportunities this week away from home. Alright, last night in the All-Star game, the East 211-186. to 186. I guess that over hit quite a lot. What do we say? 362? Yeah, three, 360. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, first 200-point game in All-Star history. If you didn't watch it, um, there's no need if you're expecting any sort of semblance of defense by a vote of seven to five, Damian Lillard is your MVP last night. I believe he took eleven more shots than Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton was incredible really early on. The fifth three, I believe, came from the logo. I thought we were gonna get an Arthur skip after that fifth three. The sixth one, boy, if that would have gone in. Yeah, the roof explode over there at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. But for the game, Halliburton, 27 minutes, 11 of 15 from the floor. He actually had a dunk. His only three-point attempt, or his only non-three-point attempt, was a dunk there late. 32 points for him. And now, Tyrese Halliburton, you rest. You don't show your face today. You sleep, and you sleep, and you sleep even more. Um, I I wrote an article. It's up on our website. And this goes back to Thursday night, Andy. Um, He's just the perfect ambassador for what the Pacers need right now. And that is to me, so vital for this franchise. On and off the floor, every time there was a mic in front of him, which was seemingly at every turn this weekend, I thought he handled it uh, tremendously. And JMV brought up a good point to me yesterday. I went on with John. He was at the winner's circle. You know, you think that this original All-Star game was supposed to be in 2021. 
and then COVID pushed it back three years. Boy, the Pacers franchise in quite a different spot. Thanks yeah. to Tyrese Halliburton no in those three years. Uh, just the perfect ambassador. He called himself, you know, it kind of feels like I'm the prom king this weekend. He handled that pretty darn well. <laughs> I mean, he was pulled in so many different directions, whether he was at the Woj podcast at the Vogue with you guys, or he was at the crossover event on Saturday doing appearances. He was getting pulled every which way. He did multiple contests on Saturday night. And he might be exhausted, but he looked like he was loving every minute of it. I and made a bunch of money this weekend, oh. too. Shout out. And probably, so did Matherin, too. He was doing a lot of stuff. How close did you ever come to being prom king? Is that something that Kevin Bowen ever made a run at or Boy, not? I would say it was about as close as Luka Doncic <laughs> dunking last night. <laughs> My man can't jump. I love Luka, but he can't jump over a phone book. He really can't. And him and, him and Jokic were on a fast break, and I'm like, they're moving so slow compared to everyone else on the floor. Did you happen to also see Tatum and Larry Bird meeting? Yeah, that was, so that, that was, was the first time that, Jason Tatum's ever met Larry Bird? How is that the first time that Jason Tatum, a bona fide star, has ever met Larry Bird? Did that surprise you? Larry That's just doesn't me. leave Florida, does well, he? I guess you're right. Uh, Would so, you? No, probably not. <laughs> uh, so again, last night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it was Damian Lillard taking on the MVP. I love the booing from the Pacers faithful as Lillard was clearly gunning it. for that. Again, a Saturday night recap. You had the Pacers win the skills competition. That was Mather and Halliburton's half-court shot. And Miles Turner, three-point, also went to Damian Lillard, the dunk contest for a second straight year. Mac McClung. Uh, and I thought really the highlight of the night, Steph Curry, Sabrina, uh, and Oscu in that head-to-head three-point shootout. That was a great show by those two. Steph able to win that one. You think they're going to do that again, like a Steph Curry versus like Caitlin Clark or something next year? Or something Sabrina like that? brought up, I didn't realize this, she's from the Bay Area. Next year, the All Star game in San Francisco. Uh-huh. So you have that sort of connection there. Um, you would think the NBA would want to involve Caitlin Clark whenever mm-hmm. she does declare for the draft. And then someone brought up, I didn't realize this, uh, Lillard three point contest. You know, he'd be going for a three peat. Mac McClung will be going for a three peat. Like, so do you have any challenger? Obviously, the three-point contest, I think, has taken over. as kind of the star event of Saturday night. Uh, but dunk contest-wise, I just... I I don't know what you do there. Credit to Jalen Brown for participating in it, but... It's I our just, own fault we've seen these guys right. do. It used to be, like, if you cradled the ball between your legs and did a reverse dunk, you'd be like, well, that's a that's a great dunk. And now I feel like, like Jacob Topping can easily do that dunk. And again, it just <laughs> rewards the shorter dudes. It's like we just yeah. need to have a bunch of dudes under 6'5 to truly like get out of our seats for the dunk contest. How many times can you pull Shaq out of the crowd, too? I know. I was like, gosh, uh, first time he hotkeys, <laughs> and now Mac McClung a little bit later. All right, Tony East going to join us at 830. He was a busy man following around the Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton this weekend. Greg Doyle coming up at 9. Certainly a heavy, heavy amount of basketball talk here. On this Monday morning, but tomorrow could be the start of some offseason news for the Colts. Their biggest item, about to get an answer on that. Michael Pittman Jr. has had some words on it. We'll share those coming up. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Tony East will join us coming up at about 8.30. Greg Doyle at 9. We'll get to our Goats of the Weekend as well. Tons to get to today. Still uh, beaming from the All-Star festivities this weekend. And here in a couple minutes, we'll dive into Michael Pittman's words on franchise tag. We'll really start that coming up tomorrow. KB, just just quickly for me, I, I thought one of the... Big takeaways for me and where your boy here was wrong the most this weekend was, you know, leading into the break last Tuesday, this is six days ago, we had Rick Carlisle on and Rick Carlisle flat out told us, I'm worried about the health of Benedict Matherin. And so I'm like, okay, this is a Tuesday. And then they had a game right after that on what that Thursday was it? Uh, was that Golden State? I'm trying to think if I have my days mixed up. No, it was after the Charlotte game. This is yeah, when Toronto it, Wednesday it, night. It, it was uh, it was after that, and it, you know it's kind of one of those things that he misses that game on Wednesday, and we saw him play just I mean kind of a just kind of a nothing game on Monday against Charlotte, and we kind of built three four games where he didn't play well. Then he had missed some games. There had been the illness going around the team. There had been the knee injury, and I really thought going into this weekend, like I was like, okay, does Matherin, what does he need to do? Because you're right, in that game on Friday, he was ready to go. He and Jaden Ivey were ready to go. And by the way, that's not surprising knowing Benedict Matherin. It ended up being a good weekend for him. And I think, you know, now with having today off and getting back to practice Tuesday and not having to play, not having to travel, uh, but playing on Thursday against Detroit, for me now, uh, I, I'm not expecting there to be any hindrances on Benedict Matherin unless there is something that pops up at practice. Uh, you know, he looked good. He looked healthy this weekend. I was surprised how healthy he looked and how spry maybe he looked. So much like my take has been, it has been an acknowledgement and a celebration of this young Pacer team. Now it's time to be healthy and now it's time to be consistent. And we saw Halliburton play a lot of minutes last night, very much this weekend, the forefront of everything. But where I was wrong the most was Benedict Matherin. I mean, he had a fantastic weekend uh, by all counts, and now I expect him to go out there Thursday and be ready to go, don't you? I mean, I expect to see old Benedict Matherin. Yeah, I thought he was about to start our first fight in Rising Stars game history. I have no idea if there has been a prior fight in the Rising Stars game, but I'm assuming there hasn't. Yeah, uh, Matherin is not a, um, yeah, let's go at uh, cruise control here in those environments. He was, uh, Miles Turner, I thought, had the great quote, on Friday night, very on brand that Benedict Matherin would win the MVP of the Rising Stars game. Uh, he was taking no prisoners out there. I saw that he was mad at Tamika Catchings <laughs> for Catchings drafting Jaden Ivey. Her lifelong friend, Niel Ivey's son, is who she decided to draft, and Matherin took that personal. <laughs> Did he really? Don't was you that love that was? about Matherin? Love, listen, I love it. I'm ready. Like, this team needs that type of personality. They need him coming up. Oh, I mean, yeah. in the last I, couple I, weeks, he I just, just hasn't love been his right. Edge. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love the edge that he brings. Uh, buddy of mine texted me Friday night, and this is as Matherin. It was pretty clear he was going to win MVP of that Rising Stars. Should the winner of the MVP of the Rising Stars game get a spot in the All-Star I game? I, I'm fine with it. You know I'm fine with anything. Anything the NBA wants to do. I, what was it, Mark? Dustin DePierac was talking about doing an NBA yeah. jam thing where different parts of the basketball court or you know, maybe you throw a ball and put some fire on it. You know, Different spice point this values. Thing up a little Isn't bit. that kind of the skills competition on, yeah. s- on Saturday night? Oh, which, by the way, the skills competition was, was an embarrassment. A couple of those guys embarrassed themselves.
Out Was there. it Anthony Edwards well, going left-handed? Uh, uh, well, Paul, yeah, Anthony Edwards, Paulo Bancaro embarrassed himself, not knowing which way to go. I mean, those guys put three put three minutes of thought into it before you go out there. I mean, they're bad, man. They embarrass themselves. Come you on. know, part of me thinks going back to the Elam ending would be better for the All Star game as well. I, I seem to recall the few years that that was in there. You at least had a com- somewhat emphasis on somewhat competitive end of the game of these guys having to get to a point total. For those that watched the Rising Star ga- Stars game on Friday night, they did, you know, a- a- an Elam ending. It was, you know, get to a certain point total there. And I mean, Matherin's at the foul line. And again, Matherin's crazy, but he's sitting there t- telling Paula Boncaro $25,000. I guarantee you I'd make these two free throws. And of course, he bricks both of them, but still, <laughs> like that stuff you love. And it just adds oh, a competitive I, juice. I, I love the Whereas last yeah. night, you're watching and Brian Anderson is just begging you to say, Hey, man, the West is going to try to make one more run at right. this. Yeah, and it's like, no, I mean, no, they don't. first off, no. Secondly, like, who cares? If you're going to a target score, at least there's a little bit of anticipation on that end of it. Again, for those that miss Saturday night, skills competition, the Pacers do win it. Halliburton, Turner, and Matherin as a three-man team. Them going last, I did think was beneficial because at the um, on the passing apparatus, like when they had to pass into those three different hoops, um, I did see that the Pacers realize that, hey, if we run up to the big, you know, basket of balls and you grab two of them and bring two of them back to your spot to throw, <laughs> that is more efficient than just doing the one at a time there. So uh, See, credit to the Pacers yeah. and their basketball intelligence yeah, they thought about it. on that end as well. No, it was listen. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a fantastic weekend. The game is what it is. I'm with you on the Elam ending stuff. Uh, I, I it just I, gives you a little like bit it. more. I'm not saying it's yeah. saving it, but you cannot tell me watching the fourth quarter last night, or and I guess it's now been two years we haven't done the Elam ending. If I'm not mistaken, when they have done that, it's been more exciting. Like I don't need to see two eleven this morning. Like that, that that number just doesn't register to me at all. Uh, watching a little bit more of a competitive back and forth to where may- maybe on those isolations you get you know a hand up or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably grasping a straw uh, here. L- last thing on this because I know you have an item we want to get into with uh, with Michael Pittman. Uh, did you happen to see? And I love him. God bless him. Did you happen to see Bob Ryan's two tweets last night? Uh, old man Bob Ryan from uh, is he's in there in Boston. I don't know if he used to work or if he still does. I believe for the Boston Globe. Did you happen to see his tweets last night? No. People always have fun with him because he's the get off my lawn guy, and he knows it. He doesn't care. He does the get off my lawn, and then everyone has fun with it. Uh, he tweeted out two things. He goes, "If you're not personally offended." Uh, this is uh, this, uh, but this disgraceful farce taking place right now in Indy. You don't love or understand basketball. These all stars in quotations should be censured. <laughs> That's a great word. And where are the coaches? Have any of them any pride? They're all acting like athletic court jesters. Once again, these NBA stars are showing no respect for the game. It's another dunkarama and three-point far, uh, farce. Not a single hand in anyone's face. I'll see how TCM is doing. See you next year. What a waste of time. Adam, you must do something. It's embarrassing for your sport. Silver did seem <laughs> a little frustrated handing out the trophy. He did seem a little did bit he? like, yeah, he okay, did, well. you could tell he wasn't like, Overly thrilled with it. Remember, he said something to that effect with us. Like, I'm looking forward to Sunday night. 
Hopefully it is a little bit more of a competitive game. I just good luck in this day and age of load management, and this is how your bodies are. And I mean, LeBron only played a half. Like this is you know welcome to reality. Again, a little bit more from the Elam Indy. I, I don't have great answers honestly on that because you know we're the ones right here clamoring. I'm thinking to myself. Halliburton's got a back pad. I'm like, why is he playing as much as he is? I, I'm sitting there watching and thinking, he shouldn't go back out there. Yeah, but you want him to win MVP as well. It's a very double-edged sword. Yeah, again, I, I can't List get too worked it. up over the MVP when I'm watching that that product. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., go ahead. You had a, you had a little uh, tidbit on him. Yeah, tomorrow starts the window. Two-week window starting tomorrow for the franchise tag. I know we've talked about this a good amount here throughout the Colts offseason, and you know we've had very little on the Colts news item front here throughout the first month plus of the offseason. But beginning tomorrow, February 20th through March 5th, teams around the league have two weeks to decide if they will use the franchise tag in 2024 or not. Uh, Using that on Michael Pittman Jr. would guarantee him on a one-year deal for just over $20 million for this season. It would also allow you a much, much longer period of time to try and get a long-term deal done. Um, If you do not tag him in this two-week window, Andy, March 13th is the start of free agency. So that means you will have from now until March 13th to get a long-term deal done with him if you choose not to use the tag. If you tag him, uh, I believe that window extends all the way up just before training camp. Like mid-July is usually when it freezes and you can no longer negotiate a long-term deal or you can't agree to a long-term deal during the offseason. So um, I feel like there's a little bit of education that I need to remind myself because the Colts haven't used the tag in over a decade and uh, and maybe even for our audience out there on what the franchise tag means. Again, I think that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of it. But again, in the next two weeks, we are about to get the first major answer to the Colts offseason. And I don't think it's the end of the world if you use it. I don't think it's the end of the the world if you don't use it. But if you don't use it, that obviously shrinks your time period. You have now until March 13th to get a deal done. If not, Michael Pittman Jr. hits the open market and becomes a free agent uh, on that Wednesday in March. What changes, uh, other than I guess the back and forth with the team, if you're the Colts and how you view Michael Pittman Jr., what changes from March until later into the summer, right before training camp? And I under, I understand teams do this all the time, but what changes on the way uh, they view Michael Pittman Jr. from March until July or August? Honestly. You know, if they draft a guy at 15, maybe that alters some of your thinking a little bit. I, I Outside of that, though, I think it's a fair question to bring up because not much is probably the answer. You know, again, you have time. And certainly the Pacers have had, or the Pacers, certainly the Colts have had now a month in the offseason to, you know, sit there and decide exactly where Pittman's at. You know, maybe you get to free agency and you see deals all of a sudden be handed out for Mike Evans or Calvin Ridley or T. Higgins. And maybe that impacts like a little bit of the market value for Pittman Jr. Um, but to your answer, not a whole lot changes. Again, I think he will be a Colt. I think he will still be a Colt. How it looks, though, I, I don't know exactly. Um, and I think something that you run into with the franchise tag is if you do tag him and you don't get the long-term deal done right away, does he participate in the spring offseason program? Well, I think that's the thing to me is... And does that matter for, yeah, with well, Anthony Richardson coming back? 
I think to I, me, I would the, tend to think that it does matter here more than it matters in some other places. Probably, I think, and this might be the wrong word, but the contentious nature of it, right? Do, does it like like with Jonathan Taylor? It was contentious. Do not do not get it wrong, okay? You had the agent in the middle, you had the owner in the middle, you had the GM, you had the player who was acting out in ways that he had not acted out here, being a very you know model citizen to going to being a sulking player that was away from the team. But KB, when he got his money and they got the deal, it was like the pressure cooker that was that situation. Didn't it let up? And then everyone just immediately went to, wow, it's great that we have Jonathan Taylor. That's going to help our uh, young quarterback. It's going to help the offense. It's going to be all good to go. And it almost seemed like bygones are bygones. So I don't know how much the contentious nature of you know, could it get contentious with Michael Pittman Jr.? Does that matter to fans? And I think what you're saying is probably spot on that, you know, with Anthony Richardson just having so valuable little time playing in this league, him getting any extra rep with a guy like Michael Pittman uh, absolutely matters. The other thing I would say about this, this is how I feel. That we've talked about, it's a little, but... Over what, 21 mil, I think it was, if you use the tag. I mean, don't you feel like the number that you're starting out at is roughly 23 mil yeah, per year probably. if you bring mm-hmm. him back on a long, a long-term deal? Isn't the deal the deal? Like, I mean, Michael Pittman, like, his value is very much out there. It's about 23 to 25 mil. And if you're the Colts... You know that's about roughly what it is as well. I can't believe these two would be just so far apart in their negotiations. Again, Does that make sense? Part of me would say the only reason I could see the tag and then give the five-month window, extend the five-month window to get the long-term deal done is if you think there's something bigger, different, um, unique to what else you're going to do this offseason. Like if you're going to go out there and make a big move, or you really want to wait till the draft, do you want to just give yourself a little bit more wiggle room? Like, not commit. You feel like you're going to commit to him, but you don't know exactly what the rest of the offseason is going to look like. So why don't you get through, you know, the end of April and the draft, and then you have a clearer picture of, man, all of a sudden this trade that we didn't think necessarily might be there in early March, it's now there in early May, and boom, we've made the deal now that all of a sudden impacts how we handle Pittman, if that makes sense. Yeah, that would be the but, only uh, thing. But I, again, that's a little far-fetched for even me. I'm trying to think of hypotheticals right. here. I, I don't believe that personally, but again, that's just my thought. Now, we did see, and this is the uh, you know, time, I guess, the, the, uh, the life we live in, especially with professional athletes, uh, the Michael Pittman Jr. latest social media post late last <laughs> night. Yes, well after the All-Star game. An Instagram post with the caption, very short and sweet caption, by the way, business is business. Okay, so is that telling you what the first round of, maybe not the first round, but the latest round of conversations on where these two are? Again, I just just can't believe. Do you read anything into business is business? No. Okay, so this is just like a big-time free agent Uh, who is battling the franchise tag, who wants the long-term deal, who doesn't want to play, you know, if he had his druthers, if you will, doesn't want to play under the franchise tag. That individual always puts out that type of meme, that type of post, either to Twitter or Instagram. It is as predictable as there being no defense played in the NBA All-Star game, is it not? 
That's probably accurate. I mean, don't you feel that way? That at some point you're going to get this from Michael Bittman? And I think another thing to watch here in the next few weeks, again, three weeks from Wednesday is the start of free agency. You know, Pittman will dominate the headlines, Andy, because he's the most likely to get tagged, probably the only realistic likely guy to get tagged for the Colts. Do we see re-signings for any of the others? And the three that would be, I think, highest on that list would be Kenny Moore, would be Grover Stewart, would be Julian Blackman. In a normal free agent year, any of those three would easily top the list for Colts and in-house free agents. Do we see re-signings for any of those as well? All right, on the other side, again, with a lot of basketball talk coming up with Tony East and Greg Doyle. We certainly need to hit, unfortunately, on the ugly Ooh. college basketball weekend in this state. Concern for Purdue at all in what we saw in Indiana. Same old, same old, I guess, is the season. Honestly, it's probably reached a point where it can't end soon enough. Transfer portal time in Bloomington is uh, certainly the topic of choice. We'll do that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. It is the wake-up call here. Recap an all-star weekend in Indy. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, and Mark Dykton. All right, a whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. One weekend here in Indy, hour number two, KB and Andy. It's the Wake Up Call, broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. Uh, all the snow on Friday. I tell you, I was stuck in some of that traffic coming downtown uh, for an event, but it cleared out on Saturday and Sunday. And like I uh, have said all morning, a great showing uh, for the Pacer crew. There's no doubt about it. Halliburton probably should have won the the uh, the MVP last night in the All Star game. I loved if you uh, if you bought the tickets, especially. You got a little chance to boo Damian Lillard, which is fantastic. Anytime we can boo Dame Lillard, we appreciate it, right? You're is that a that? rivalry? Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. Would you rather see the Bucks or the Knicks in the playoffs oh, from the a bu- rivalry standpoint? The, the Bucks. The Bucks. Giannis doesn't worry you? Uh, no, he worries me, but Giannis can't shoot threes. Well, we saw that last night. No, he actually I mean, said that post Yeah, Giannis cannot shoot three. So, you know, for me... He can do some other stuff he, pretty he's well. He's going to get his. I do wonder what Bucks fans think of Lillard hitting all those shots. He's shooting 30-some percent for the Bucks this season. Uh, he hasn't been good. But uh, NBA All-Star Weekend, I know you were there. You have some pieces up at 1075thefan.com. Overall, uh, looked like a good weekend. Looked like a fun weekend. And uh, a bunch of points scored last night. You got to watch everyone dunk and shoot, you know, 45-foot threes. Should we have made it in Amendment Saturday night. Mark just played some of that three-point audio there. When uh, all four of them were in that tiebreaker, should we just have bracketed it up and say 2v2 and then go to the championship? Let's see what happens. I'm fine Obviously, Halliburton didn't you know, make it out of the tiebreaker, the 30-second tiebreaker that they did after that. He struggled there. But I was kind of hoping, like, it's already awkward with three people in the finals. Like, I don't really totally get that. It was kind of like, hey, let's get like a quarterfinal, semifinal, and then an actual final here. All four have hit 26. Put 2v2 here. And who is it? Trey Young and Carl Anthony Towns, oh, yeah. right? Those mm-hmm. are the other two. Well, Trey Young was my pick, remember. Uh, if we if we, if we we had to move Tyrese Halliburton aside, we said, who are you going to take? And I took Trey Young, and I felt good God, for a I, second. I forgot who I even picked. Uh, did you take Lillard? If so, we had to boo you. I you didn't know. take Lillard, did you? How about Carl Anthony Towns going for 50 last night? <laughs> Maybe he should have been MVP. Why can't he win MVP? Uh, Just because the West lost? Come on. A lot of recap from All-Star Weekend. Again, more with Tony East coming up at 8.30. Greg Doyle at 9. A uh, level of concern with Purdue yesterday at all? Okay, so yesterday I would say was kind of the first time where 
I looked at Purdue and I'm like, oh, what are you? What are we doing here? Like, why? Why are you losing that game? And I think it's it's a few things for me. Um, it's probably three things for me. You know, uh, uh, Fletcher Lawyer's not playing well right now. The last three games, and I think it gets to Lawyer and Jones. The last three games, you know, Lawyer three straight games. I wrote these down in single digits. Last three games, he's three of eighteen. One of five from three, and he's not the type of guy that's going to fill the stat sheet if he's not scoring the basketball. He's not a big rebound guy. Uh, He's not a big assist guy. He has come off a screen and knocked down shots, and so I thought you saw his value with some of the subbing. I thought you saw, hey, Matt Painter realized he's not making a bunch of shots. He tried to take the ball to the bucket uh, several times, maybe thought he was fouled, and then, you know, Jones, again, the last three games, I might be nitpicking here, 8-27, 6-17 from 3, and I forget who we had on. We were talking about, who do we have on Butler-wise last week? Nick Gardner. Yes, Nick Uh Gardner, and I was asking about Posh Alexander. He said, well, the thing about Posh is he may not score, but he's going to fill the stat sheet doing other things, and I think think Jones has a little bit of that for Purdue as well, Uh, and then you look at the last three games, two assists, six rebounds in those three games. So I think it's pretty simple. At times, Edie's not going to be able to just simply bail you out every time. And those two guys need to knock down more shots than they are. I mean, that's kind of that's where I am. I, I, I thought Edie was kind of weak with the ball around the basket. I know he and Matt Painter probably he thought there were more fouls. He had a high turnover number last yeah, night. Yeah, they probably e. thought, hey, there's, there's some fouls being given here. I, I, I don't listen. It's not panic, but they're not the overall number one seed right now. UConn is that. I would say say one thing to keep an eye on and again Edie has done such a great job in his career of not being this guy I mean hell look at Malik Renew right now for Indiana but Edie usually is not a foul trouble guy but we saw it Thursday night against mm-hmm. Minnesota and we saw it again yesterday there's been a few more of those instances with him this season and again we're going off of the most recent efforts from Purdue because you go back to Maui against Tennessee, you go back to the start of the Big Ten slate with Illinois, two games where Edie got into foul trouble and Purdue withstood that. Minnesota got back in that game as soon as Edie went to the bench on Thursday night. Uh, If you look at yesterday when Edie gets into that early foul trouble, Purdue looks so sloppy without him. And again, 11-2 run. That's what, what it was. Wasn't that when he it went just, out? It was eleven to two run. They went from leading to be down by five at half. And eleven to two speaks for itself. But if you were watching it, it looked even worse than that. If if, if that's even possible, like the offensive possessions just looked ugly. And then defensively, uh, to your point, it was kind of a layup line. And you and you bring up lawyer. I mean, certainly he is a byproduct of you need help when Edie goes to the bench from a scoring standpoint. Matt Painter was pretty adamant after the game. They need more from their bench, and. He made it seem like it's not just the scoring. It's like okay, when you put when we put you on the floor, I need some sort of production there from your bench. It seems like it's Mason Gillis or just really nobody on that end. And then the last thing I would point out because this is probably the most common thing with Purdue and their few losses, it usually coincides with the big turnover number, and that one did. Now the opponent they play Thursday, they'll be back inside of Mackey on Thursday against Rutgers. That's the one time this year, Andy where they've had the big turnover number and they've overcome it in a win. But if you look at Northwestern, if you look at Nebraska, if you look at yesterday, that is there. And I bring that up because 
that's the number we've seen against the Fairleigh Dickinsons and the St. Peters. It, it has yes, lawyers struggled and sure. you know you you can point to some other stuff, but it's one of these things. If Purdue can just get out of its own way, turnover wise, they're so good offensively that and as an offensive rebound team, they're naturally going to put the ball in the bucket eventually. But if you get into the teens turnover wise, now you're flirting a bit, and they flirted with it yesterday and. You know, it's it's the age old thing when you play the interim coach. Are they gonna you know be super motivated for the interim? Or are they just gonna lie down for the interim because they've already quit on the season? I don't know if it was Scooney Penn. Shout out to him and Michael Red in the building yesterday, but it definitely was a little bit of a different Ohio State output than we're used to. Uh, Matt Painter after the game talking about turnovers. Our three losses are all turnovers. I think this is the lowest turnover. I think it's fourteen, sixteen, and seventeen. I think we got an outlier in there where we've had something in between 14 and 17 and we won. Yeah. So like our record is like off the charts. And since I've been at Purdue, when we have fewer turnovers and more rebounds, like 151 and 15 or something like that. Um, but when they out rebound us and they have fewer turnovers, which that didn't happen tonight, we're six and 48. So you can kind of see the importance of those stats, right? It's off the charts. Nine-game win streak for Purdue is over again. Coming up, uh, they will host Rutgers on Thursday. For Indiana, they've now lost 8 of 12. You know, Andy brought this up in the first hour. You couldn't have scripted it better for Indiana. You get Northwestern uh, after a road loss late in the week at Rutgers. You get them without Ty Berry, one of their better guards. Boo Bowie picks up two fouls midway through the first half. He sits the rest of the way. I mean, that is golden. I mean, those inv- I could not believe Indiana was favored in this one. And yeah, by two and a half. Yet, you can't take advantage of it. I'd say, and I don't, part of me, Andy's like, are we really going to dissect these Indiana basketball games? Like, aren't we just done with the season? Like, aren't we, shouldn't we just move on? But it's our job, so we'll do it. Um, your front court just got outplayed. <laughs> and I mean, look at those Northwestern bigs and what, Northwestern's not known for throwing the ball into Matthew Nicholson and I forget the other guy's name, Blake something or other, and like and Barnheiser. You thinking of Barnheiser? Well, he's more. Are you thinking of Martinelli? Is that yeah? I was gonna say the Italian guy. Um, Like they're not known for throwing it into those dudes and playing through them. It's Bowie. It's Barry. It's the other what Langhorn. Whatever the other guard's name, and even Barnheiser can be more of a perimeter guy. Had twenty six the other last night. But again, your front court just gets outplayed. By them last night, and Renew is now fouled out of four of his last. I think it's four of his last six games here. Um, so yeah, Mike Woodson continue to be winless against Northwestern. There, that is three straight wins for the Wildcats in Bloomington. Here's the the biggest problem you have if you're an Indiana fan, and I mean this is well, it's twofold, but it, it all equals one. You got nothing to hold on to this season. There's not like, oh, we have a stud freshman that we know is going to be back. Or, I mean, listen, Gabe Cups might be a nice player, but there ain't no way in hell he should be playing 31 minutes. There's no way he should be starting. And after this year, how can you trust Mike Woodson? You don't trust him to build a team or to build a modern team. He has a team that is slow. He has a team that's really not great defensively. He's got a team that can't shoot free throws and that can't shoot threes. 
I, I just I don't know. You watch these Indiana games and they're a bad team and they're bad and they're not interesting well, and there's nothing like oh there's a bunch of things here we could at least bank for next year. There's none of that. You don't want any of the you don't want any of these guys back. You would love Clear Ware to come back. He's gonna go pro. Mackenzie and Baco will try to go pro, even though he can't dribble uh in the Big Ten. He'll try to go pro. I mean, some of these guys, I mean, Trey Galloway, I guess he could I mean all these guys except for who? X could come back, but you definitely would never want Xavier Johnson to come back. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about you don't want this you don't want this roster to be represented next year at all. Not going to believe in Mike Woodson building a team. He didn't have to build a team his first couple years. He was able to get complementary parts to what was a great foundation, and he did a fine job. He didn't do a great job. That he he did fine. He did a fine job. He was able to get to the round of 32. But now this was his first chance to build a team. And he's not built. I mean, he did not build a team. And Malik Renew is one of your leaders. And Malik Renew can't stay on the floor. He's an absolute mess right now. I'd say one of the issues too, Andy, is like if you're going to be big, and that's clearly is what Indiana's decided to do here. I mean, you know, okay, we'll have the five stars in the front court, and you know, we're gonna. I mean, they have to be one of the biggest starting lineups in all of college basketball. They don't play to that, or they don't maybe take advantage of that. Is the better way to to put it, like. When you watch college football and you see like Navy committed to running the football, they're very good at running the football. So like I get that. For Indiana, you play big, but they don't they're not good at playing big. It's not like these guys control the paint, control the glass, dominate at will. You don't throw it into them and it's a consistent bucket or you're getting the other team into foul trouble on a consistent basis. Again, yesterday, Northwestern's very unheralded big guys frankly controlled that aspect to the game there. I think that is what adds to it. Like I can look at it and be like, okay, I, I Indiana just doesn't have good guards at all and, and like or not acceptable level. But this Indiana front court experiment, it was a worry in the offseason in the sense of when you got into the year, you were scratching and clawing to beat, the, beat these mid-major teams, and you had a three, four-inch height advantage at every meaningful spot in the lineup, particularly in the front court. Well, now you get into Big Ten play. The height advantage is not as extreme. The talent deficiency is not as as extreme because that's usually the difference for the mid-majors to the higher conferences. It's that the big men are just a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more skilled. You know, guard play can be a bit universal, and that is where Indiana just cannot take advantage of whatsoever and more often than not it's not even an advantage for them so you've decided to go archaic and then the archaic way you aren't even good at it that is a double whammy and that is why you're seeing a team right now that has lost eight of 12 and uh and and the season's over no i mean they're not good at anything and and then they're just into they're like and you know besides like next year there's no like hanging on to oh there's a magical run coming up in the Big Ten tournament and you've already played Purdue twice so there's not well maybe we can you know get Purdue at the back end of the year we played this sound in the checkdown in the seven o'clock hour let's play it again Mark here's after the game Mike Woodson about knocking shots down go ahead it's simple you watched the same game I did you got to make shots you know we had some good looks and we just didn't knock them down I mean it's Nothing scientific about it. We, you know, we move the ball well enough to get open shots. You got to step up and make them. It's that simple. Okay, so I might be nitpicky Mike Woodson. Sorry to interrupt you. I might be nitpicky Mike Woodson here, and I understand he has not done a good job this season. But, I mean, earth to Mike Woodson, Woody, you guys never knock down any shots. Ever? 
I mean, right. there's 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 maybe I could go to what three four games all season long where it felt like you made shots at a high clip. I mean, you don't have guys. It's not like, well, it didn't happen this time. The guys are underachieving. This is not who this group is, is to play that style of basketball. Again, if not to right at the end of the game, you would have had four three-pointers to end this, you know, and you would have been well under, what, 30% That's why uh, to end the game. I didn't even bring it up, Andy, because, uh, yes, of course IU can't shoot. They haven't thrown in the ocean all year long. I don't like, that to me is non-existent. It's not even a point worth bringing up anymore. It is a joke, certainly, that Indiana can't shoot. But, you know, to me, it's not like I'm going to harp on it too, too much. I go back to yesterday. Northwestern gets 14 offensive rebounds. Nicholson's got 14 points and 16 rebounds. That dude had seven offensive rebounds. The Martinelli guy, he had a double double, 13 and 13. Like that, if you want to focus on just the current present in the one game, you know, moment of reacting to yesterday, Boo Booey is three of 14. Boo Booey is in first half foul trouble. They don't have Ty Berry. You could not have asked for anything better from a trying to limit the deficiency in right. the backcourt that we already know he about. trailed by eight at halftime. And yet Nicholson <laughs> and Martinelli it's absolutely dominate the paint against, again, guys like Ware and Mbako. And it, it, it's more than just that of you can't control the glass and those two guys. Every time it felt like Northwestern was making, or excuse me, Indiana was making some sort of a run, it was those two dudes making a play for you. And certainly Bowie had a couple shots there. In the second half to uh, to stave well, it off. Well, so, not, uh, Indiana, not, nothing till uh, Wednesday with Nebraska inside of Assembly Hall. Yeah, but think about this. I mean, you lost. Your boy Miller Cop was there. TJD was there. The great Trace Jackson Davis was in attendance. And <laughs> you lost to Northwestern for the third straight time at Assembly The only Hall. team, I, only Big Ten team Mike Woodson has yet to beat the Northwestern Wildcats 0-4 against him. I was very concerned, too. Um what the hell were the outfits the coaches were wearing? It looked like something I'd see my dad show me in a picture at Indiana State of him back in the seventies. Well, what, what, what were those? I, it, well, and the other thing you have if you're if you're an Indiana fan, you have the uniforms. You know, I, I you the, have the, the and, and old people don't like the the change to the uniforms. I don't care, but people do. Again, to me, when I look at the unis, I'm like, <laughs> I, the only thing that matters. I feel this way about the Notre Dame Shamrock series unis. Just if the recruits like them, that's all I really care about. All, every time they pan to the bench, I, I thought it was I thought I was seeing things with what the coaches were were wearing. It was like a Belichick cut off sweatshirt gone bad. I'd rather just cut them off. That's that's the fashion now. That can be fashionable. It can. What a mess. What do we do with Indiana like the rest of the season, honestly? Because you're right. We got to talk about them, but I feel like my analysis has stayed roughly. Oh, it's all portal. I mean, it's, it's all roughly the yeah. same. I mean, I, I, who do they want out of the portal? That's what we need they to get want Rab the, Johns on. Who do, they, who do you guys want out of the portal? They want one point? of those Indiana State guards. Oh, that's going to fix things. That's going to fix things. I, I said this from Indiana State. Yesterday, Indiana State losers again. On Saturday, that's now back-to-back losses. They're now tied with Drake, and I think Drake is above them technically in the MoVal standing. So at this point, it is pretty much all going to come down to three games in four days in Arch Madness to try and make the tournament. One thing to note about Josh Schertz and Indiana State this season, for those that haven't followed the program too closely, Andy, they don't have a bench. Like they don't, they do not use their bench. And if you look at their losses, yesterday or Saturday, they're missing one of their starters, Jason Kent. You go back to the Alabama game. Robbie Avia did not play in that game. Like 
if you're Josh Schertz, I think you're getting to a point in the season where the playing these dudes 40 minutes in your starters, you might need to watch a little bit of that. Like, do you scale it back to 32, 34? Because when you get to the three games in four days in Arch Madness, you're going to have to make sure those dudes are as fresh as they can be. I know it's kind of a delicate situation because you want to get one of the top one or two seeds because you still want to make sure you get that off day within Arch Madness. But I think that's a real conversation that he's got to have with this coaching staff of, and this often happens with the mid-majors. You just don't go very deep into your bench. You know, playing Julian Larry and Isaiah Swope and Ryan Conwell and Robbie v, playing them the amount of minutes they've been playing them, do you try and limit that a little bit here down the stretch? You might lose another game, but Andy, again, at this point, all that matters is the automatic bid. So can you get legs as fresh as possible Come March Madness. Yeah, to me, I said this. I joked about it. Um, it it's it's not the way to feel. But the only positive with the, this weekend for Indiana State watching some of that game was, let's just be honest, we know they're going to have to win the Missouri Valley now. Like, I mean, you said it. They're going to have to win the conference Why tournament. haven't they fallen the, further in the I, net? I, I have no idea. Because you I, are a net guy. Well, I'm, no, I'm not a net guy. Or at least you I, you, you follow I, I, it. I, I follow it is the pro- net. Like, yeah, I, don't, I wish I didn't have to, but that's a whole different like I, conversation. I, I saw Butler dropped, I want to say it was nine spots yep. after losing to Creighton. At home, right. And Indiana State only dropped four. Four. Oh, I would have plummeted Indiana State. Yeah, I've I I have no idea. And, and I guess Butler never, lost by a little they never more. Told us. And you know, obviously, there's other teams that win and they jump you. That probably plays into some of it with Butler there. But I mean, right now, if you look just strictly at the net, Indiana State's 32 and Butler's like mid 50s. Yeah, I think I think Butler this. I think Butler in the last two games, even though it's against good teams, I feel like they've played their way. To the wrong side of the bubble. Lenardi still, has him in the Dayton games. Yeah, he's just, got him as the 65th team and, and, right and now. And they have consistently been uh, having. They've missed Dayton, right? They've been they, they've been one of the last teams, but they've been a team that's got that by right. and not had to play. So, I mean, listen, if you're Thad Mata, just get in. I mean, to me, that's how you know you're in a rebuild there at Butler, unlike a place like Indiana. Uh, Butler has to feel like okay, we we are building with something. But going back to Indiana State. I'm the only, the only, the only positive is, is that coaching staff is not going to have to worry. And I mean, this is not going to have to worry about the woe is me, right? About relying on the, the committee to, to let them in or anything like that. They have given the committee plenty of reason to leave them out. It's not, it's yeah, it's right now. If they don't win the Missouri Valley, a conference tournament, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. And guess what? They're not going to have anyone with who with who they've lost to the last two games. They're not going to have anyone come to their defense. See, that was going to be a tricky situation. It was going to be, you know, if we win a bunch of games, but maybe and you throughout the half, they lose in a, you know, in the final minutes and the in the in the conference championship yeah, on a game, neutral floor a against neutral a quality floor team against yeah. a really good team like a Drake, you know, is would are you really going to leave them out? And that was going to be the conversation and the predicament. There is no conversation. There is no predicament. They're going to have to win their conference tournament. And guess what? They know that there won't be that shred of woe is me. What's the committee going to do to little old Indiana State? None of it. More All Star Game conversation coming up here. Tony East going to join us in about five minutes. We'll also. Get 
get set up for the Pacers' second half of the season, which begins on Thursday. Greg Doyle, who was in the building last night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, coming up at 9. Let's hit a morning check down. All right, let's start with Purdue. 73-69 losers at Ohio State. Uh, I really thought one of the things that really just stood out for me was not only did they only shoot three three-pointers or a make three three-pointers, did Purdue, they only shot nine of them throughout the game. Matt Painter on that very subject post game. If you don't have them and they take them away, you don't want to shoot them. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, you still want to go. And I think what they really got us to do from a decision-making standpoint if we could have it back, like our intermediate shots. Like I think we, we took some – we had a stretch there in the second half where we didn't take very many and we played better offensively. In the first half, we had too many intermediate shots, kind of in between a pull-up and a floater to where it just wasn't, you know, you know, something that you would think is a strength of ours. Yeah, so again, uh, losers last night. I, I just didn't like love how Purdue played. 73-69, uh, your final there. Moving to Indiana, we just talked about it. Ugly as well in Assembly Hall, 76-72. Malik Renew now back-to-back games. He's fouled out just nine points in the loss. Here's Mike Woodson postgame on his forward. Well, I wasn't happy with him after the game. And after he had the two, I thought the third foul was... It came so fast. I mean, he reached over the guy, and he he didn't at the time didn't think he fouled, but I thought it was a foul. And the fifth foul came so fast, I couldn't get him out. You know, from the bump up top in the pick and roll. So, I mean, we just got to keep working with him because we need him on the basketball floor. For Indiana, it'll be Nebraska coming up Wednesday. Purdue has got Rutgers. Both of those home games for those respective programs. Uh, last night over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, uh, the game itself, an absolute joke. The East wins 211 to 186. I guess, you know, certainly we can gripe about Tyrese Halbert. And frankly, he probably should have got the MVP after the first five threes of the game. Uh, but the All Star game has turned into just who can shoot from as far out as possible. And that's pretty much it when Damian Lillard literally makes two half court shots and only attempts two. He's probably going to win MVP, and he did 7-5 to five on the voting for the MVP of the All-Star game. Uh, again, I vote for the Elam ending coming back. I'm not going to act like there's anything else. Even the Elam ending is not going to improve it much, but uh, it, yeah, it's just a could not be further from any sort of display of actual basketball. Nonetheless, uh, thought it was a great environment inside of that building. And just walking downtown last night into the building uh, was a pretty cool atmosphere there. Seems like All-Star Weekend went fairly well. Logistically, I'll continue to repeat the efficiency, the creative nature, uh, the passion. I think I was alive and well from us hosting it. So kudos everyone involved on that again Halliburton last night he attempted 15 shots 14 of them behind the arc uh 27 minutes 32 points six assists Damian Lillard chucked and chucked and chucked and he took home all-star game MVP for the Pacers now it is rest like no other today Rick Carlisle and company back to practice tomorrow they will host the Pistons on Thursday they will not play Friday Saturday but a few home games for the Pacers here coming out of the break did I read it right that uh the Doc Rivers is giving the money the paycheck on winning the all-star game to Adrian Griffin 
Really? I think they said that on the broadcast. Shout out. I don't know if you caught that. How about that? Shout out to Steph Curry. He did a um, $1,000 for the IPS middle school basketball programs for every point he scored last night. Oh, so did he? That's awesome. I'm sitting there in my seats rooting for a whole lot of Steph. Uh, 16 points, so 16000 right there from Steph Curry to the IPS middle school basketball program. So love seeing that from Steph. All right, Tony East, he was in the building last night. He was following the Pacers around all weekend long. He'll join us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Tony East going to join us here in just a second. Greg Doyle will join us as well coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. All-star festivities uh, are out. All the private jets. Do the private jets leave last night or do they leave this morning? I, I want to see me. one of those maps today where like all the private jets disperse from Indianapolis. <laughs> I, I would guess some did leave last night, but I, I'm sure there were some lingering parties into the wee hours of last night. You like this around Kentucky Derby time. So where I used to live in southern Indiana, it was by a small, it was by a smaller Southern Indiana, not the Louisville airport, but a lot of people went in and out of the Southern Indiana airport. It's historically where Bobby Petrino met Auburn to try to sneak out of town. Ooh, uh, if you that's remember, juicy. but we could lay out in our yard on a Sunday, and it was just one after <laughs> one private plane after another, uh, drive you know flying over us. So fantastic weekend, uh, sights and sounds. I'm sure there'll be uh, many pieces written, uh, all the video, audio. I know all the shows around here will be talking about the different experiences uh, that we had. At as well. All right, Tony East joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tony joins us here, locked on Pacers, Forbes, and of course, SI.com. Uh, Tony, let's start with this and a very good morning to you. Uh, what's a big NBA, uh, big picture takeaway that uh, maybe hits your mind coming from this weekend? And what would be a Pacers item, a Pacers takeaway as well as you were right in the midst of all the coverage over the past three, four days or so? Uh, Pacers takeaway would be all about just Tyrese Halberton and his place in the league, right? Like these kind of weekends can have sort of a launch pad effect on players like last year, for example, Lowry Markinen and in Utah, right? Was an all-star for the, for the first time in his home city. And now is you know, considered one of the, the premier talents in the league, one of the best shooters in, in the NBA. And a guy that, you know, was talked about as like, man, could this be the guy that shakes up the NBA is the acquisition this year in a trade and he wasn't traded, but He's that good, and it was sort of a uh, – I mean, people knew who he was, but now it was really quite the change for his tr- career trajectory and perception and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, it was the funny moment for him with getting picked last in the All-Star draft, which didn't happen. But Albert played amazing in Indy and won some events and was great in the All-Star game and had his own crowd. I mean, I, that kind of stuff can be so significant for a player not only locally but nationally as well. And for Albert to have that moment I think was significant – Nationally and for the NBA in general, I mean, there were so many new things that I think the the theme from the weekend and what will be looked back on is like stuff that impacts future All-Star weekends, whether that's LED courts or more LED courts. That was really cool to see in person. I think a lot of people really liked that if you were there. And if you saw it on TV, some people liked it. Some people did not at all. Uh, maybe changes to the actual All-Star game. That was the hot topic last night. Everybody hated it. Uh, 211 points. Adam Silver with the longest pause in human history when discussing how many points the Eastern Conference scored uh, in the game afterwards. You know, the Rising Stars format was new. Uh, it was only the second ever G League next up game. Like, there's just so much stuff that was either new or tweaked or has been discussed as needing tweaks that 
could be something the league looks at in the future because the theme this year was back to basketball. I'd wonder in its in future years the theme is you know maybe a little tweaked just to to align with the NBA's goals a little bit differently. Tony, what was the uh, best thing you saw all weekend long, or maybe your favorite moment from All Star Weekend? Then on the flip side, what was the thing that I guess you didn't like the most from the weekend? I loved the Steph versus Sabrina uh, on Saturday. That was so cool. Just like it's a seminal moment for the sport, right? To be able to to have something like that happen, and you know, Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press asked a question like this in the press after the game, but you know, if it was like twenty-one to eighteen was the final score or something like that. And it was still cool because it was close, and they shot it okay. Like, yeah, it would have been cool, and it would have been it would have been fun. But to, to have it be twenty six to twenty nine, where they're both just when she like hit those that, first six or seven, Tony, that that might have been the loudest thing in, in, in Lucas Oil all night long. Yeah, I mean, it was it was sweet, and then of course, I mean, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, he was unbelievable. But like, those were the two. I mean, Sabrina tied the best score from the actual three point contest of any player, right? So. Those are the two best shooting rounds of the whole night like in that same contest. I mean, it was it was awesome for the sport. It was awesome for the women's game. I mean, it was just an absolutely fantastic thing. And, I, and, and you know, they were both talking about after it, like, things they would like to potentially do with it in the future, like adding another player to both of them on teams or something like that. Like, the fact that they already have thought about it like that, I think that it was revealed uh, from the Nielsen ratings that it was, like, the top moment or the most viewed moment of the whole thing. On Saturday, you know, I think that that was huge for for the sport and for both leagues, the WN and the Men's NBA, that uh, that, that kind of happened. Uh, what was the other one? The thing I saw that I liked the least, um, 211 points, I think. I mean, that was uh, – I didn't – I like the All-Star game more than most people just because my expectations are lower, but there just becomes a point where it's like we're running out the clock here. You know, like I, I, I should have – I think the next year's story, I'll bring a stopwatch and time how long Tyrese Halburn's at the scores table before he checks in every time because there's just no stoppages in the game. It's just back and forth with buckets. I actually kind of liked when the Elam ending was utilized. I, I get we're not going to get this hard-nosed defense and, you know, okay, I, I fully get that. But I think you saw it in the Rising Stars game Friday night. When you put a target score out there, it at least gives a little bit more. I'm not acting like it's earth-shattering. But to me, that is something I enjoyed, and for it to be taken out of the game, I just think you get into even a bigger joke than it than it was. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, people have talked about the, the All-Star game being rudderless for a while, and it kind of has been, but I think it was 2020, the year they also were honoring Kobe with the jerseys and stuff like that, 2021. You know, like that, that one, it was 152 to 152, and the target score was 157, and like, they were defending and running plays and like trapping pick and rolls for like three. It's like that was like even if the rest of the game wasn't that exciting, that was really cool. That that was a key moment, and so I I get why they they had the theme they did uh, and wanted to go back to East and did that. But you know, Tyrese Halbert said it at the end of of Jan- and, I, and to be clear, I like the Elsa game. Like I enjoy most NBA events, but you know, Tyrese Halbert said it in late January. Like it was the exact same day that we were asking Tyrese Halliburton about the 65-game rule and injuries and returning to the floor, you know, he was asked about the All-Star game and, and how it can be more competitive. And he's like, well, we're not trying to get hurt because of this. And, you know, their incentives are, and they are paid to play for their team and win for their team. And winning the All-Star game means nothing for their team. And, you know, they aren't paid to do so. So I totally understand why the incentives for the players are what they are and, I think this is going to be what it is unless there's an Elon ending or significant incentives or something like that. 
Tony East joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Should Tyrese Halliburton have won MVP last night? Did it get ripped off? How big of a deal is this? Did you boo Dame Lillard? I'm throwing all these questions at you, Tony. What do you think? I, I did not boo Dame. Uh, I, I was not outraged by the result. Like I, I think it was kind of very Tyrese in a way because the reason he didn't win MVP, and I think some people have assessed this correctly, is he wasn't selfish. He passed the ball. He he deferred at times throughout the game, right? Like, I think it's perfectly fitting that the guy who won MVP, his highlights were shots. Dame hit two half-court shots, right? One that was with all his legs in the, in the first half and one that took all his arms because he was exhausted in the second half. And, like, those are sweet. You know, the people remember the who's and odds of those. Halliburton tried to have his big highlight be the, you know, recreating the Jason Williams pass from the 2000 rookie sophomore game, right? When he went for the, the elbow pass, giving up the ball was, was what his big highlight was trying to be. And maybe you could say the, the five threes in a row, uh, I mean, that was just a crazy crescendo of moments, but like he tried to recreate an iconic moment and he passed it to Dame Lillard with that play, uh, fittingly enough. And they missed that three of all the ones to miss. So, uh, I think there's definitely an argument to be made, right? Like, they were close in every stat, and Halliburton was more efficient. And, look, I think there is an element of you get a little bump in your home city uh, for, for all-star game MVP because it's not like that's a thing that people talk about when any sort of, you know, legacy or talent discussions. Uh, but, I, I know I am not outraged by the result, even though, you know, I, I, I did laugh at the people talking about, like, the Bucks boxing him out and, and you know, the Bucks head coach, two Bucks players not giving him the ball. They like, freeze exactly. him, Tony. Yeah, they did. Come on. Come on, believe come on, believe in these things. There's one guy that played more minutes than Halliburton in the Eastern Conference. His name was Dame Lillard. Which is, I, honestly, a good thing, I think, if you're a Pacers fan, watching Dame play that many minutes. 7-5, well, to five for those that care, was the all-star voting from last night uh, on, on yeah. the MVP award. Can I can I say that maybe Carl Towns has a also a big gripe for getting robbed? He played really well. Fifty and yeah, he played hit fifty points. And people were saying like like I guess it was between Dame and Ty because they were on the winning team. But I mean, <laughs> you get any credit for winning a game that was two eleven to one eighty six or whatever it was? <laughs> like that cat was really good too. I don't know. I think the most memorable moment, honestly, was the Halliburton 5-3 flurry there to start the game. But I will say Lillard stepping into those half-court shots and hitting both of them, shooting them like it was a free throw, was uh, pretty darn impressive by him. Again, Tony East is with us here on the Payless Stickers Hotline. You can read his work over on SI.com, Locked on Pacers. Always a great listen. He was a very busy man throughout All-Star Weekend, so we appreciate his time here on this Monday morning, shifting gears to the final 26 games. Thursday will be the Pacers back in action against the Pistons. I believe back to practice tomorrow for the Pacers. Your biggest non-related health question for this team for the final 26 games. Ooh, not related to health question. I mean, it, it, their results recently have just kind of felt, you know, very roller coastery, which is surprising because, you know, the the, the numbers of the Pacers with Siakam and Halbert on the quarter are, like, fantastic since the trade, right? Like, a really great net rating. Their offense is fantastic. So, I think my questions would be, one, is that real, right? Are they really that good with both of their stars on the floor? Because it seems like Halbert's going to be able to play more, right? Down the stretch, obviously, he played 34 minutes in the last game before the break and, you know, played 27 minutes in the game last night, like you alluded to. And he even said, like, yeah, I felt good, and, and I jumped off one leg for that dunk in the skills challenge, and I, you know, everything was great in the response to that. Like, that's, that's great for him. So if he can play his normal minutes load and can have all the bursts in the world and all that kind of stuff, 
that of course matters. And so if they can sustain that number, which I suspect they can, they've, they've played well off of each other, even without a ton of time together. It's can the rest of the team and mostly the bench units where they're not both playing together, figure it out and be a little more normalized, right? Like the, the rotation is shaken up when Pascal Siakam's added to the mix, Jalen Smith's back with the bench groups. And of course, Buddy Heald's been traded now. So the second unit has looked different quite literally since the trades and maybe it's just that it's just that it's a different unit. Maybe it's that there's just been so much mixing and matching because of the injuries they've had, but you know, their bench was so good for so much of the season. It was such a big strength and their bench is still solid, but it's lost them at least two games straight up since the trade and hasn't been nearly as good. So these Halliburton plus Yaka minutes are great. And then they're still losing because you know the bench was awful in Portland. I mean, their worst game of the season in that Hornets game, they just scored one Oh two. Their bench was terrible. And I, it's just if they, I, I think two things will be big for me is is it sustainable with Tyrese plus Pascal because that matters for this season and beyond right that would kind of signal the Pacers have something here for the next couple of years but also is the can the bench recover can the new look bench unit be good enough that it, the Pacers look like they did it early in the season because then if, if Tyrese and Pascal aren't as good together as those numbers at least they can still get some wins and be a good team and of course the other thing is the standings can they hold on to six because that is a very tight race and the Sixers are vulnerable now so I'll be curious about that as well Tony uh, is there any update on Aaron Neesmith have you heard anything on his uh whatever ankle shin from last Wednesday I haven't uh he wasn't at all-star weekend I can't blame him for getting out getting out of town with everything going on. But, you know, I think Dustin reported that that Carl uh, actually walked to the arena after that game, which is good news, I suppose. But, you know, when he had the tape on the shin already, if it's a shin injury, maybe it could be something that is bugging him. So I, I think we'll learn more, like, tomorrow or Wednesday. But, yeah, I did now nothing. Tony East with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Last one for me, Tony. Where do you think this team ultimately finishes? You know, for for me, you look at him, boy, at 31 and 25, they're just a couple games away from being up at the four seed. They're also a game away from being the nine seed or being the eight seed, I should say. Uh, I guess in the middle then would be the six. Where do you think this team ultimately will finish? I know we're looking ahead 26 games here, um, but it's going to be, you know, quite the finish here. They need to be out of that seven seed. What do you think happens? And my gut is saying seven, uh, and I say that because, uh, you know, I think the Heat are just – they played really well heading into the break. They made an upgrading trade getting Terry Rozier. They were really unhealthy for a stretch here in, like, January, early February. And so if the Heat can get rolling, I think they are better than the Pacers, even though the Pacers did beat them once. So they're just really talented, and I can never bet against an Eric Spolter team. And But the wild card effect of this is – is Philly because who knows how long Embiid is specifically going to be out for. And they've won some games since the trade deadline. Buddy Hield's playing well for them. Tyrese Max is on that team. They're not a pushover, but you know they were like three and seven in their last 10 games going into the break and clearly aren't as good without an MVP. And that's not shocking or anything, but I, it's just really hard for me to figure out where they're going to finish. Can they figure stuff out and adjust or are they actually – you know, catchable. If, if, if a 60% win percentage team can keep up with them over the course of the season, then six feels attainable for the Pacers, even if the Heat pass them, right? But I think on aggregate, I think them and the Magic will probably be pretty similar on level for the rest of the season, two kind of young teams who haven't had a stretch run with expectations yet. Uh, but I think Miami and Philly are going to be the wild card. So if I, if you, if you have any bet right now, I'd say seventh and then you know, a very tough plan and hope to hope to win that first game so you don't play Boston in the first round. But 
six is on the table, fifth is maybe on the table, but I, it, it's impossible to me for them to fall to ninth. Sands just absolute disaster of injuries because there's a big cushion between them and that. It's the Bulls and ninth, and those teams are just so inconsistent down there. Tony, last, last one. Again, thank you for the time here on this Monday morning. You wrote, this is the first time we've talked since the Buddy Heald trade, and there was something you wrote in one of your pieces explaining how um, the new CBA rewards strong drafting early in round two. As much as you can dumb it down for me and maybe even our audience out there, uh, could you share exactly what all that entails? Because, again, the Pacers will have a high second-round draft pick this year is the thought. Yeah, I mean, you know, in general, strong drafting is always Aurora just because it's a good player, right? But it, specifically, there's the second-round pick exception now that, you know, it, it makes the second round just all the more valuable, especially for a team like the Pacers that's now, you know, over the cap and, and tax conscious because you can sign players without using your exceptions or anything like that to a three- or four-year deal. So not only does that make the pick valuable in terms of, getting the player you draft on a contract that makes sense and is longer and you actually are willing to invest in them because they're on your team for a long time and all that. But now the pick is valuable to every team, right? Because every team can do that, even other teams with tax concerns or other teams with poor draft capital. So the pick becomes more valuable from a player development perspective, especially for a Pacers team that, you know, their top pick in the second round from that Buddy Hill trade could be their best pick in this draft, right? So that'll be interesting to see. And they've done well with, top picks in the second round, getting them hard. They traded the 31st pick in Aaron Holiday for the Isaiah Jackson pick in the first round, right? Like they've done well with picks in that kind of area. But also it has more demand for our mother teams because it can be so valuable from a cap perspective now in a way that it wasn't before. And so it still is the 30-whatever pick that they'll have, 36, 38, 37, whatever. But it has more value than it did two years ago. And so – yeah, I mean, it was a seller's trade from a team that's trying to win, which is still interesting, but it has value that could be used in the future. And I think, you know, Chad Buchanan kind of explained it that way as when you are thinking long term, adding those pieces to your team can be important. They had that late first round pick last year that they flipped and pushed back a year, and all of a sudden it's part of the Pascal Siakam trade. So you just never know with these picks, but that, yeah, these early second rounders are, are a tool now, and the Pacers have it. Tony, enjoyed running into you last night. As I said to you, great coverage all weekend long. I know it's uh, probably a bit exhausting for you, so thanks for making time with us here on this Monday morning, and uh, we'll certainly be reading later in the week. Yep, great to see you, Kevin. It was a good time. Tony East right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline, back to practice tomorrow, Thursday night, the Pistons in town as the Pacers begin their final 26 games of the season. All right, Greg Doyle joins us in 10. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Greg Doyle from the uh, from the Star going to join us here in just a few minutes. He had a strong take on, shockingly, he had a strong take on uh, on Damian Lillard. We'll dive into that here in about five or six minutes. See would have had, see me, uh, say... I'm off today. I don't know what's wrong with me. Are you me. hungover from I, I All-Star Weekend? I have weekend? no idea. No, I went to bed 
I guess I probably earlier than you did. I fell asleep at some point in the second half and kind of woke up in this morning. Kind of fell asleep the rest. watching that game. How? Well, 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 I did. I fell asleep. It was a very long weekend for your boy. Speaking of having a strong take, there we go. Did you see my man Rick Patino? What he said over the weekend? Do you that, see any of this? I, I need to watch the full presser because <laughs> the quotes are electric. He's like, yeah, basically when we got to St. John's, we didn't get to see any of the players, so I just took whoever I could and. Uh, uh, we're not a good team. We're not a smart team. We're not an athletic team, and we stink. He basically said, "Yeah, we stink." It's one of the great, uh, w- terrible moments of his life. And if you know, Rick, he was ripping had, dudes. Uh, if you know Rick, he's had some bad moments in his life. Uh, great. He was absolutely ripping <laughs> and dudes. They stink, by the way. Two eleven, by the way. That was the final score last night for the Eastern Conference. They set a record there. Defense highly, highly optional in that one. Seven to five. That was the vote for MVP. So we were very close to getting the co MVP there. For Damian Lillard and Tyrese Halliburton. Again, to me, as I said to Tony East just a few minutes ago, most memorable thing from last night, I think, will be the Halliburton 5 for 5 to start the game. Sure. I mean, we he hit the fifth one from the logo. Oh, I know. And then Jokic and Durant are like double teaming them <laughs> on the next possession. I mean, it was uh that to me was the uh the highlight from last night. All right, Greg Doyle was there. Much more with him. The Indy Star columnist joins us. All right, the sounds of the weekend. What a weekend here in Indianapolis. Our all-star festivities. Uh, we were out there on Friday. The NBA crossover event was just, it was jam-packed on Friday, Saturday. Great to go out there. Uh, so many players walking around. Then, of course, all the festivities Friday, Saturday. Uh, and no doubt the hot takes are out there uh, on the all-star game. The competitiveness, if you will, the all-star game. Uh, we'll get to all of that as well. All right, 9 o'clock hour here. Greg Doyle is going to join us here in just a second. Reminder, we'll get to our go of the weekend. We also have a pop quiz coming up this hour as well. So uh, lots to accomplish here as we broadcast live from the drivehubler.com studios. All right, from the Indianapolis Star, Greg Doyle joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I know you wrote a column about this, so I want to give you a chance to kind of uh, long form talk about it, if you will. Dame Lillard, the amount of shots he took, winning the MVP from Halliburton last night. Go ahead, my friend. Well, it was disgusting. Uh, it, listen, this was this is not a game. We all saw it. This is not a game where if you're really good, you're going to win the the MVP. This has become a game. Last night it was a game where whoever takes the most shots on the winning team is going to win the MVP because there's no defense and all these guys are great. You know, you give basically shoot around. You give them shoot around shots, they're going to make most of them. That's what we saw. So whoever whoever decides, you know what, I think I should get the MVP is going to go get it. And Lillard decided early on, I think I'm going to go get the MVP. And this isn't – Halliburton was the guy. It's his city. He was the guy in the first quarter, 15 points in 90 seconds. At that point, it's pretty much over. Just play the game out, let everybody get equal shots, and he's going to have 50. But they didn't do that. And because Halliburton himself, and it's his fault really in, in a way, he's so selfish, he actually thought he was playing basketball. Poor guy. He, he was passing the ball to everybody, including Lillard. So I'm just I'm just ticked off. You know, it's, I'll get over it. We'll all get over it. But this is a once in a lifetime event for our city, but for Halliburton in our city, and we love Halliburton. And it wasn't his moment out of pity, out of anything. It was his moment. And Lord said, "Nah, I'm going to go ahead and take this moment from you." He, he was a pig. He was a ball hog. Greg, thank you for the time here on this Monday morning. Um, I'll leave it pretty open ended. What was the favorite thing you observed from All Star Weekend? What was the thing that you did not like the most from All Star Weekend? 
Favorite thing I observed was the Crystal Moore house. It was uh, I was there on the NBA Legacy, NBA Cares project. It was Thursday. They unveiled about a quarter of a million renovations to the Crystal Moore house, which is a West Side in Hallville community center where they do education and all kinds of stuff. I mean, they, they, you, you should walk through the halls of there. It's it's so humble and beautiful and selfless, and and the flyers they're handing out for you know things like you know here's how you get your GED. For example, if you need that, and it's the real world. Does it, do we want any kid to aspire to the GED? Of course not. But in the real world, for some kids, that's the best they're going to do. And and the Chris Moore House, and it's a lot more than that. I'm just saying that's an example of the kind of thing that they they don't want you slipping through the cracks. And so the NBA and the Patriots came along and added a whole lot of spackle, and it was beautiful. And I saw 50 kids on the floor just agog at Miles Turner and people like that. The governor was there. It was it was beautiful. You know that. The, the All-Star Game comes to town, and there were three events. Friday night was the Rising Stars, Saturday, of course. We, we all know, you know shooting the, the slam dunk and all that, and the game was Sunday. I was originally supposed to do all three, um, my choice, and then decided, no, I, I need to write about the Kansas City you know, shooting. I just need to write about that because now the sports world's coming our way, and what is IMPD doing you know, to stop it if it happens here? And then the Chris Morehouse thing happened. And I was just really happy to write about two real things. I wasn't happy to write about shooting, but I was writing, happy to write about real stuff. Because the All-Star Weekend, it was, I'm glad it's here. I'll be done soliloquying in a minute, but I'm glad it was here. Millions and millions, tens of millions, whoever, who knows how much it, benefit we get out of this. Glad it was here. The only problem with it is that there's an actual game they play. And, and everything else about it, you know, just kind of I'm, – I'm sorry to be the Grinch, but it all kind of sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's all – it's all over the top festivities, and and I, I, get, I get a lot of people. A lot of people like over top festivities. I, I like real. I prefer real, and there's nothing about that that's real. You brought up once in a lifetime event, and Greg Doyle from the Indianapolis Stars with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You brought up once in a lifetime event. You think better chance our city hosts a Super Bowl again in the next thirty years or an NBA All Star game? Great question. Uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. I, I think. It, you know, I, I think they're going to rotate that enough. I Something will happen whether in the next 30 years we get a new – I mean, 30 years is a long time. And, and Lucas Oil is, I don't know, 10 years old, however old it is. Uh, we'll get a new stadium perhaps by then. Or something will happen, an ownership uh, shift or something. We'll, we'll need to get rewarded to keep the NFL, the team here. I think that will happen. Yeah, I think uh, – who, who was it? Herb Simon said last night, they interviewed him on the court afterwards, and he, he was kind of joking, but kind of not. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we, we – I hope you guys all had a good time here in, in town. And I'm looking forward to when we get to host this thing again in, in, in 40 years, I think is what he said. So, I, anyway, neither one's likely to happen anytime soon. If, if you told me to bet, bet money in the next 20 years, bet everything you got, we will have an all-star game or Super Bowl here in the next 20 years, or we will not, I would bet not. Greg Doyle with us. Uh, Pay Less Liquors Hotline from the Indianapolis Star. Tons of great coverage from the Star, but obviously, Greg, uh, out and about with the people this weekend. I saw you tweet this uh, when you were you know, promoting your appearance coming up on the show here this morning. You wanted to go after Draymond Green as well. Green was really one of the only ones who was outspoken about the game and the weekend being here in Indianapolis, I believe. Yeah, well, you, you know, sometimes you can measure yourself by who your enemies are. And uh, and you and you take and you're happy about it. Like there are certain people on Twitter that that I've blocked, and I'm like, this is I'm doing something right. If I don't want to allow you access to my Twitter, then I'm you know I'm okay with who I am. And if Draymond Green is the voice against us, then you know you don't want anybody speaking out. But if it's only Draymond Green, I mean that guy, he's 
he's out of control. He's out. Of, he's immature. He's out of control. He hasn't grown up yet. You can tell by the way he, you know, he acts. He just he, he he's out of control. And if he's the guy that thinks Indianapolis isn't cool enough, like if he's still playing that card, like brother, you you make twenty thirty million dollars a year. You can fly to Cabo. You can go anywhere you want and have a great time. You don't need the All Star Game to fly you somewhere so you can have fun in February. You can have fun round the clock. The All-Star Game isn't about that. It's not about – if you still think the All-Star Game is, a, is about, like, I want to go somewhere for three days and drink somewhere where there's a bunch of strip clubs. If that's what you think you need at this point in your life, then the joke's on you. So he, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but he never he, he rarely does. And, and again, if, he, if he's the voice of the wilderness, I'm okay, because John the Baptist, he ain't. And the Red Garter's underrated, from what I hear. <laughs> I, not, not from a in-person – Opinion there. Boy, I didn't have John the Baptist on the old uh, bingo card here for Greg Doyle. Uh, Greg Doyle is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. I just Voice in the wilderness, though. I I agree with you. Greg, I agree with you on that one. I would just add one more point, too, Greg, to the point of like, okay, why do I need to listen to an NBA player tell me what he wants out of the All-Star game? To me, it it revolves around three things. Do you put on an efficient event? Do you put on a creative event? And do you put on a passionate event from people in your community and there's no way you can tell me otherwise that we didn't check all three of those boxes. No, no way. And especially, you know, we had degree of difficulty. It's like you, you know, you, you got to, some people get more credit. Like the, the gymnast that tries four flips gets scored on a higher level than the gymnast that tries two. You know, there's, there, there is degree of difficulty. And we had snow. We had snow fall, an unexpectedly large amount fall the day everybody was arriving. And that is, that is about as unexpected. I mean, and you know, we've we've seen the worst unexpected events. Okay, uh, I mean, Kansas City. Let's not go overboard, but that was as far as non tragedies as as unexpected and un- and complicated as an event as we were going to have right before the All Star Game, and we still nailed it. We still nailed it, and there, there's just no question we're the best. I mean, when I said I don't think we're going to get a Super Bowl or, or All Star Game, not, not because we don't deserve it. We we they should hold. We should be just like the Final Four is here every five or six years, and that's because the NCAA is in town. I get it. We should be on a rotation. For the Super Bowl too, I just it's that good, but I, I think one reason why Draymond probably is is, is whining and, and why we won't get it back again is I think they, the NBA just like the Super Bowl wants their fans to go somewhere where they know it won't snow because they're trying to it's all about money and they're trying to sell as many tickets as possible and as many plane tickets as possible even if you can't go to the game because the games will be sold out but they want people in that town and they know people aren't going to be flying to Minneapolis all that often in January and February but they'll be flying to Atlanta and, and parts south. He's Greg Doyle. He's with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Greg, about 20 minutes ago, Jim Mersey, um, his account, I guess, tweeted, big congrats to Herb and Pacers. A great job of hosting NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, we've seen you know a couple of tweets from Jim in the last few weeks. When do you think's the next time we see him in person? Probably training camp. Uh, I don't know why we would – I mean, in a vacuum – I don't really know why we would see him before that. I don't know that we see him annually at the uh, Combine. Do you, Kevin, I know you go every year. Do, do we see him there? I don't think we do. We don't. The, the, the two uh, items on the calendar I would point to of when we do see him annually is in about a month, a little over a month, the league's uh, annual meetings, I believe, in Orlando this year. Ursa, uh. usually, I believe you guys usually send like Joel or Nate Atkins down there for that. Um, right. So that is when he uh, typically speaks to the media. And then uh, every draft, the Saturday of the draft, is when he comes into the media room or what. I guess we've gone into his office before and uh, had a little powwow in there. So those those are the two events I've pointed to 
um, Greg, of just kind of letting our audience know if it's a normal offseason, owners' meetings in late March, the draft in late April, that is when we typically see him. Then I think we'll see him in late March. Um, I don't have any insight into this, but the only thing I – all I have is common sense, and, and, and despite how much I might attack people sometimes, decency. And my common sense, my decency meter tells me the Colts in no way, after the whole, everybody had their fears about our say, rumors were everywhere, we all thought what we thought, and none of us thought it was going to be good. And for them to, for him to, for somebody to have tweets coming out from his account implying that he's okay or on the mend or whatever, for that to not be true, for them to, like, we were already prepared for the worst. We, we were, and I don't want to say any more about it, but we were all prepared for the worst. And now for them, if they, th- there's just no way they would uh, dishonestly, insincerely give us hope that we're not getting the worst. So I suspect he's doing, I suspect he's turned a corner, whatever, and I have no idea what corner he had to get around, zero idea, but I suspect he's turned a corner. And what late March is six weeks away from now, which is eight or nine or ten weeks away from when he first tweeted out that, you know, hey, I'm doing okay or whatever. So we'll see him then. And if we don't, um, we'll know, you know, that, that we'll have clarity, you know. But I, I just I cannot believe the Colts and Ursa and the family would do this, frankly, to us and, and let us think everything's okay if they all know. It's like when you tell your friends, when you, and I remember doing this when I was younger, playing golf with people. And you tell them the night before, yeah, hey, we're, we're going to play golf tomorrow. Have you ever played? Yeah, I've played before. What do you shoot? Yeah, I shoot. I'm a scratch golfer. And you know the next morning you're going to get out there and dump your first tee shot. Well, you don't <laughs> lie when you know you're going to get called out for lying the first chance you get. Like, you don't say you shoot in the 90s and then go shoot a 140. You just don't do that. I mean, some people do, but idiots. The Colts aren't idiots. I think he's going to be okay. Greg Doyle with us here on the Wake Up Call on the Payless Liquors Hotline. As a way to bring up both IU and Purdue college basketball-wise, big picture, what has this season done for you as it pertains to Mike Woodson and his future and his competence and you know in, in building a team? And then the small picture, any worry? I don't know if you how much you saw of Purdue yesterday, uh, but Purdue going on the road and losing to Ohio State. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't able to watch either. So I'm not going to pretend I did. Um, but sometimes on things like this, you, you kind of only need the score and maybe even the, the, the box score to tell you what's going on, especially this late in the season for both. And to answer your question about Woodson, uh, I forget how you worded it, but I was thinking, oh, you, what has he done? What has happened to your belief? Yeah, just, crushed it. I don't have, yeah, I don't just, have any. Just, just you know, big picture here. I mean, this is such a, a rough season. It's easy to say, well, you know, don't let it happen again. But, boy, he's got to go out and really rebuild a team. This team that they put out this season, it's not good enough to go anywhere. No, no, he, he he's, he's done. Do I think he's done after this year? No, I don't. I don't think – I know that – Barring something crazy, and something crazy would be IU not winning again this year, and that 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 changes the calculus. Okay, when I when I say what I'm about to say, that implies assumes they're going to win a few more games. Okay, but if they go O for the rest of the way, it's over. He's out. Do I know that? No, but do I think what I think and what I actually kind of believe? Hell, what I know is that IU is in no way, shape, or form thinking about firing Mike Woodson, a beloved alum a Bob Knight guy and everything else that comes with Mike Woodson, there's no way you fire him after three years. You just don't do it. And they won't do it. Now, if they don't win again, everything changes. Everything changes. But So what has he done? He's shown me he, he showed me that Trace Jackson Davis carried him. Carried, because there's nothing about him that gives you in, in, in confidence. Nothing. The way he's put this roster together, 
the way he's gotten gotten his roster to play hard, the way they're the way they they are or are not under control. There's you can't tell me one thing we've seen since Trey Jackson Davis left that makes you think you know what Mike Woodson might be the guy. Not one. There's not one. And yeah, you can say well you got to give him more time and he, he's going to get one more year. But at his age, you don't you know, he, you'll get a lot of time. And this is a, a big turnaround for me because a, uh, about a year ago when Dusty May had FAU riding high, and and of course Trace was still here. And I was looking at a story I wrote, or at least the headline. The headline says, nobody's pushing out Mike Woodson, comma, but Dusty May's got next. And I think my tweet even said, Mike Woodson's doing great, not trying to, not trying to say anything about Mike Woodson, comma, but Dusty May will be next. And I, I would never write those words, nobody's pushing out Woodson, or he's, he's doing great, because now I realize, no, you're not. You know, Trace Jackson Davis did great for you. And that happens in basketball. One player can do that, especially one player that good. As for Purdue, you know, from what I understand, the message boards are turning on a particular player who didn't hit a lot of shots last night. I don't even want to say his name. I, I mean, if you guys know who it is, you know who it is. But they, they last night, I don't understand how last night, and this is a this is the, the complaint people have about Painter, is that that sometimes you know he he's got a system and it works. I mean, he there's no there's no way to say that what he does doesn't work. But at the same time, when there's a, a changeup of a certain level, uh, sometimes they don't they don't adjust right and. For some reason, Ohio State was able to not only keep Zach Eady from going off, but they were also able to stop Purdue from getting threes. And I don't think they should be able to do that. I, I don't think you should. So that's up to Purdue to figure out, well, wait a minute, you can't take away both. If you're going to take away one, we're going to adjust and, and get the other. But Purdue wasn't able to adjust. And that's – I kind of thought this team was so good that you couldn't do what Ohio State did to them last night, especially Ohio State, for God's sake. So, I mean, it's concerning. Is it is it red alert? No, but it, it's concerning. Greg, last one for me, and I guess I'll go back to that Mike Woodson front here and throw out a little hypothetical. We know Ohio State is open, um, Louisville you would assume as well. If through the grapevine, Scott Dolson company gets word that Dusty May is going to take one of those two jobs, but he would really love the Indiana job, should that spur any action here in the immediacy with Mike Woodson? I mean, the way you're laying it out, I'll answer it, because I, I don't think it's going to happen that way, but the way you're laying it out, um, boy, boy, I can go either way. Um, it, it it depends on how the, the next couple of months go. The next month goes, okay. If I use slogs to the end, and if they, you know, if they if they go five hundred the rest of the way, they can't push them out. They just can't do it. They just I, I don't care how good Dusty May you think he might be. You just can't. You can't do it. And I understand in this day and age, you just can't do it. However, and I don't know this, okay. I do not know this. I do know IU has no interest in pushing out Woodson. You know, I just know. You know, you, everybody's talking about it over there. There, he's. Woodson safe, barring calamity. So I don't know what I'm about to say at all. But what I will, what I would bet a lot of money on is that Dusty May knows that Woodson. I mean, Woodson's what sixty, whatever he is. I mean, Woodson's going to be around probably one more year. I think that's kind of the expectation. They're going to give him four years, and if he doesn't turn it around, or maybe if he does start turning around, he'll be ready to go. My, if I had to bet, if you told me you know take this guy or the house, I'd take this guy. This guy being Dusty May, and I take I take him taking this job in 14 months which means I don't think he would go to Ohio State. I don't think he would do anything else. I think he would – I mean, F, he's happy at FAU. I remember talking to him last year about FAU, and, and, you know, you are the flavor of the month. You realize what's coming. That was, in fact, my story. Is hey, by Dusty May, he's about, to be, he's about to be on everybody's number one list. Get to know Dusty May. By the way, he went to IU and was a manager for, for Bob Knight. After talking to him, he made it very, very, very clear. And, you know, you can tell when some guys are blowing smoke and some guys aren't. The fact that he's still at FAU tells me he wasn't blowing smoke. He's happy down there. He loves the weather. He's, a, he's an outdoorsy guy. He rides his bike to work every day in Boca. His kids are happy. Everybody's happy. 
he's doing just fine and he's young and he knows that his best years or his best money-making years are down the road. He didn't tell me he'd wait for IU at all. We didn't talk about that at all. But my my suspicion is, and I like my my uh, my insight on this one, is that he will wait 14 months and be the next coach. Greg, what are you working on? It I did enjoy um, your uh, conversation with the IMPD chief. His name escapes me. The new guy, but um, Chris I, Bailey. Chris Bailey. Thank you. I, I did think that was a um, that was a very nice way to localize. Uh, the angle on certainly a huge national story. Uh, anything else to keep our eyes out for this week? Well, yeah, but can I tell you real quick about that Bailey thing, how that happened is I yeah. went to the Pacers. Uh, they had an all-star game. The NBA and the Pacers had an all-star game, kind of media gathering sort of to let us know what's coming. And this is maybe Tuesday of last week. And I sit down, and, and there's, a, there's a police officer sitting down at a table by himself. as we're, It's kind of a cocktail thing, and, and it's awkward. And, not, and so I sat down right next to him and started talking to him and, and said, hey, I'm um, – I said, so what brings you here? You know, are you here for security? Are you here for whatever? And he goes, yeah, I'll be making some remarks soon. And I said, really? How come? He goes, well, they, you know, I'm the, uh, or so he said something. And I said, well, who, who are you? And he goes, I'm the, I'm the acting police chief. And he hadn't been named the police chief yet. And I went, and I'm the idiot. And I'm sorry for not <laughs> knowing that. And I shook his hand. It was Chris Bailey. And, and I told him then the story. I said, this, this isn't about you. This is about me. I told him nine years ago, I got a phone call from a guy. As I was driving to see my kids in, in Ohio, as I used to do back then when they were younger, driving to Ohio, I got a phone call. I was at the star for about a year, maybe six months. And the guy's thanking me for a story I wrote about RIFRA. No, about, about the, the religious freedom before it went nuts. And I wrote, can we, can we stop yelling and just listen to everybody? I, I wrote the fairest thing I've ever written about politics. Where I, like, can we just please listen to both sides? And not that there's two sides there, but just can we stop yelling? We're not going to fix this if we yell. And after the guy's ta- thanking me, I, I, I said to him, listen, you told me your name and, and – and I recognize it, but I got to tell you, I, I'm not sure who you are. Who are you? And he goes, uh, yeah, this is Dan Coates. I'm the senior senator from Indiana. I'm like, oh, my gosh, uh, <laughs> Senator Coates, I'm so sorry. So I, sometimes I don't really recognize who I'm talking to uh, at times. So anyway, I met Bailey that day, and he was wonderful. And so I was able to reach out to him and get him on the phone. As far as this week, I'm going to the Kalen Clark game at IU on Thursday night. As soon as we hang up, I'm going to write an un, unbudgeted, unplanned follow. I did not want to whine about the All-Star game last night and how ugly it was. I, I didn't think that was the setting. I didn't mind whining about Dame Lillard being a pig. Didn't mind that at all. But today, I'm going to write about the All-Star game and just what, what we all saw, what it means. And as usual, I'm going to go a step farther than most people are going to go, and that's okay. But uh, in about three years, you'll see that I'm right. Greg, thank you as always. Hopefully run into you next week at the Combine, and uh, looking forward to that piece and uh, certainly your coverage coming up on Thursday down there in Bloomington. I'll be downtown with you, KB. All right, Andy, see you guys. See you, Greg. Greg. That's the one and only Greg Doyle on par per usual there from him. Yeah, we're going to have, coming up Thursday, I think we're going to have Megan Megan McEwen. She just got married. I should know her new last name. Um, She was on the call of, I think she was the color analyst on the call of Iowa-Michigan uh, last week, uh, obviously, I think some people here locally will remember her from Wish TV. Uh, she's not on the call uh, for Iowa, Indiana on Thursday, but she's seen Caitlin Clark quite a lot this season. So, uh, just looking forward to that one in, in terms of um, the the craze that falls Caitlin Clark uh, around Big Ten country because she has experienced it a whole lot this season. I never want to be called a pig by Greg Doyle. Yeah, he went and, pig a couple times on Damian Lillard. But it's also, would you rather be John the Baptist? <laughs> I think I would. It's also a great thing to call somebody. It's a pig. We'll call you a pig someday. You're going to do, do you, something, I'll call you a pig. Kevin Bone, you're a pig. Do you Look put you. as much stock into the final month of the IU season as Greg Doyle is? 
I, that, that that to me is a whole lot. Yeah. Into a time period where I'm just kind of like. Well, my, yeah. Who my, cares? My, my question would be: You have. I mean, the team I gets blown out routinely. To me, that is an indicator. I mean, if you, Tony Adrania has been all of this before. Remember the percentage of losses by at least fifteen. Like in game, when you are not adjusting, throwing in the towel, everyone describe it. That to me is a pretty strong indicator of how your team's reacting to you. Uh, you know what I find interesting, Greg Doyle, and this this I. This I don't know, but I'm starting to feel like this is more of the norm. Greg has said this, and he just said it there, and JMV has said this repeatedly. I'll give I'll give JMV some credit with this one. If if it ultimately ends up being true, is it feels like the conversation around IU is that Mike Woodson is not going to get the IU faithful back. Okay, that there is there is no trust there. Right? Maybe trust confidence is the better word, KB. That they feel like he's dead man walking, but that he's going to get next season by being the dead man walking. Like there is no belief that he's ever going to get the fans back. Both of them feel that way. I, I mean, I don't know. If he had a winner next year, I think the fans would come back. I don't have any confidence that he's going to do that. And I'll go back to something. You know, I was talking to some IU fans at the Woj pod that we did on Thursday night, and they actually agreed with one of my IU takes. Very rare that that happens is, you know, it, it's not just this year. It's not winning more in the tournament even last year. I could say the last two years, but specifically last year. And then you tie that in with this year and you tie that in with the serious questions that you have on him building a roster. But I mean, listen, I'm looking at Ken Palm right now uh, and I have to even find Indiana. They're so far down the list. I mean, Ken Palm is going to have them being a an underdog in every one of these games uh, the only one that they would not know the the highest clip they have to win a game per compound is forty two percent coming up Wednesday against Nebraska. Otherwise, they have a thirty seven percent chance per compound to beat all, uh, Penn State at Penn State. Thirty three percent against Wisconsin. Twenty five against Maryland. Twenty nine against Minnesota. Twenty nine against Michigan State. They could lose all those games. They won't. I think they'll win a game in there, but I mean. I don't know. There's six games left. Is one in five and a win over Penn State really much better than going 0 and 6? I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Again, to me, where Salt is really meeting wounds in this situation is it's never been a better time to be the head coach at Indiana in terms of quickly getting your roster, your program back on extremely fertile ground. You've got resources out the wazoo. The transfer portal can be a very, very advantageous and again, quick way to find fixes there. Um, you didn't walk in. You know, it's not like, let's not act like Archie Miller had the program in Kelvin Sampson State when Tom Crean took over. And for you to have walked in and, you know, had Trace Jackson Davis and then it to bottom out this season to where it's gotten to. I get Liam McNeely is is committed. And again, we'll, we'll see what else I can find in the portal. But still, um, this is not the linear line at all. You should be on... In year three, so as great or as uh, Andy just said, uh, Nebraska coming up Wednesday inside of Assembly Hall. I believe it's an eight thirty tip. Uh, and then Purdue's got Rutgers at seven o'clock in Mackey after the Boilers' nine game win streak was stopped yesterday can, in Columbus. Can I just throw this out there? I mean, you mentioned McNeely. 
there's also nobody else in that class right now. Oh, yeah, it's got to be heavy porter. Uh, I mean, it's going to, I mean, yeah. yeah. And And we'll see about Derek Queen, you know, the big kid I know they've been rumored with for quite a while. We'll see if he is a late commit to that. But, you know, again, you're, I mean, we're talking about bigs. It's like, well, that hasn't really been the issue. It's going to have to be a portal. It's got to be Christmas Day, portal-wise, filled with guards Uh, for you to feel much better. IU is in a terrible spot. IU is in a terrible spot, and they put themselves in this spot. And Mike Woodson having the type of team that he has this year put him in this spot. But you're because you're not you're not just getting rid of like you just anyone. You're getting rid of you know Mike Woodson. It's not just hey, it's easy. Chris Holtman at Ohio State. You know hey, it's time to move on. You've had what six seven years uh, here at the helm in Columbus. It's easy to, or easier to move on from that. You know, and then you got to bring up financially. How long do they want to keep going to people to bail them out of of having bad hires? I mean, it's just the Mike Woodson. He's sixty five, so it's like okay, he's not going to be here for six seven more years. Well, then we need to make the next two or three really valuable and they're not being valuable just a mess that's why I brought up the Dusty May hypothetical to Greg Doyle you know that Mike what you did not hire Mike Woodson thinking 10 15 years you're going to build a statue out front with him that like that was not the thinking it was you know maybe it's going to be whatever a six-year run something along those lines and so now the question is you're halfway through those six years and I don't know if Dusty May has earned this right to be fair uh, there would probably be some out there that would say he's not. But has Dusty May earned the right to where all of a sudden, if you hear Ohio State, if you hear Louisville, and when you're Scott Dolson, you can't be naive to realize those are two of your biggest recruiting sort of competitors in your own backyard moving forward. If you really covet him like that, and he's telling you through the grapevine, hey, I want your job, but I also can't bypass those jobs if you're not going to it's make a, ter- a move. It's a terrible spot. Yeah, I know. That, to me, I think is just a conversation that you have to have. And it's awkward as hell, and it might not offer a clear answer, but to me, you can't just all of a sudden close your ears and lock your door and act like that's not a conversation that needs to be had. If Dusty May is in a situation and there is a avenue of communication where you think he will wait 14 months, fine. Uh, although that seem, would seem like hell if I'm an IU fan. And by the way, who knows what happens the rest of this year and next year with Dusty May. You know, Dusty May is in a situation to where he needs to strike here at some point, right? He needs to strike and get that job where he's making three and a half, four, four point two uh, mil. And again, I, I don't know if Dusty May has earned that right to be honest well, with, with you. with Indiana fans he has. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think there are some questions you could have and it's not hot takes. I mean Archie Miller radio. made an Elite 8 run well, at, at, how, at Dayton like I, I wrote down how's he different than Archie Miller how you I, talked about You know it, know it just I think that is a conversation that you would that you would have so uh, certainly a lot of stuff for the offseason on that end. Unfortunately hoops wise it was ugly around the state of Indiana this weekend let's begin with a little college hoop talk here for the morning check down. Yeah, let's get to some player sound here. Some stuff we haven't heard today. Purdue, let's start with MKB. 73-69 losers there. Uh, they're at Ohio State. Braden Smith, 12 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds in the loss. And postgame, Smith, we just need to move on. I just move on to the next one. I mean, it's a game. Um, we still got our goals ahead of us. Um, it just doesn't change a thing. Just keep playing our basketball and regroup. Again, the things with Purdue, if you look at the three losses this year, the turnover number been very high in each of those three. That's probably been 
the one constant in those games. And we've seen it now a couple of times here as of late. Zach Eady foul trouble. It's not like decimating foul trouble, but it's showing up. And what it's doing is obviously taking him off the floor for a period of time. And Purdue hasn't handled it as well as maybe they were doing to other parts of the season. Andy, I feel like you could probably survive an ED foul trouble stretch at some point in the tournament. Multiple games of it, though, you're playing with fire. They survived it Thursday night at home against Minnesota. They didn't survive it yesterday in the first half. I thought that was when Ohio State really kind of seized control. And it was one of those moments where Ohio State needed something to kind of grab onto and be like, oh, wait, we can win this game. I thought when ED went to the bench, Purdue looked really sloppy. That was an Ohio State Got that feeling, and Jamison Battle was outstanding in the second half. Yeah, one more thing on this game we haven't talked too much about. It's a, you know, this reminds me of the Pacers. I can't remember which game it was, but as the Pacers about a week ago, we had this conversation that as bad as they played, it was a Charlotte game. Remember, as bad as they played, there's a couple minutes left. It's like a tie game, right? So, yeah. like, you could erase everything and say, okay, the you know, we played like crap, but the final two or three minutes, we made those winning plays. And, like, the day or two after, Carlisle came on with us and, you know, talked about the killer instinct and those sorts of things. There was a little bit of that with Purdue. You know, they're down five with about three, three and a half and then they come back, right? You're thinking, okay, they're going to escape. And like, even the crowd there in Columbus kind of felt it. It's like, are they going to actually escape? Now, Ohio State did enough, but what bothered me as well, I'm sure Purdue fans have been thinking, why aren't these guys talking about this? You know, there was there was 30 seconds to go, and Ethan Morton commits a foul. He committed the foul on, and I'm blanking on the guy's name. Who's the lefty? He's a battle. battle yeah. uh, he committed a foul there, and that was going to be an off-balance 16-17-footer. Well, Battle had hit some big shots uh, and, and in the listen, second half. He had balled out, but you fouled there, and it went from, hey, if you get a stop here, you know you can go down, tie, or even win the game in the final seconds. But uh, I know as we talk about Purdue getting ready for the tournament, again, there's 30 seconds to go, and your best defender is fouling on a shot he didn't have to foul on. Well, and you go back, honestly, to when Indiana played at Ohio State, Remember, Battle had gotten to the foul line, I think, late in that game. Then Mike Woodson made a switch there and got the stop on him on that next possession. Uh, Purdue could not get those stops on Battle there as they tried to complete their comeback. So, uh, Rutgers coming up on Thursday. Again, Indiana loses Northwestern yesterday. That is now 8 of 12 losses for the Hoosiers. They have yet to beat Northwestern in the Mike Woodson era. Golden opportunity early in that game. Boo Booey gets two fouls, sits for half of the first half. They don't have Ty Berry, one of their other double-digit guards. Indiana could not take advantage in a very underwhelming, non-five-star NIL-laden front court of Northwestern. Double-doubles for both Matthew Nicholson and the Martinelli kid. Uh, They were able to control some things there. So Indiana loses at home to the Wildcats. Daytona 500 today. You gonna watch it all? Four postponed o'clock? again, right? Yes. Po- oh, it was postponed again from today, even? No, no, no. Oh, I meant to today. Meant two, yeah. yeah, yeah. And how about your boy Tiger? Shockingly, he had to pull so out I of another tournament. So I can't follow this here. Okay, so Tiger won the U.S. Open on a broken leg, but can't have a few tums in his <laughs> golf bag. Do we blame the new caddy for not having the tums ready? Wasn't everyone blaming In and Out Burger all weekend? It did seem like illness was going around. Yeah. Is that really why you have to withdraw, though? You can't be like, I got to go to the clubhouse or where's a porta potty? I mean, give me bad. 10 minutes. I mean, we all have been there to some degree. <laughs> where's the porta Again, the guy won the U.S. Open on a broken leg. I mean, come on now. Uh, could we get the man a little Pepto Bismol here on the seventh tee at Riviera? I was frightened when I saw him in a golf cart. Very happy to see it was just 
illness for Tiger. Again, Butler, Indiana State, both losing important games for their respective NCAA tournament resumes at this point for the Sycamores. It is going to come down to Arch Madness for Butler, a big one tomorrow at Villanova as they try to get another win away from home to improve their resume. Uh, and All-Star Sunday night, if you missed it, the East scored 211 points last night. 211 to 186. Damian Lillard, who chucked it at every... Honestly, everyone <laughs> chucked it, to be honest with you, last night. But Lillard probably chucked it the most. He is your MVP, beating Tyrese Halliburton in that voting competition 7-5. to five. I will continue to say what I will remember the most about All-Star Sunday night was Halliburton's flurry to start the game. Five straight threes. And the sixth one he pulled up from Kokomo. I was hoping that was going to go in, too. I really was. Come that, on. That was absolutely electric. All right, time for the pop quiz. 317-239-10. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, Kevin Bowen, have you looked at the pop quiz yet? It, does, it looks doable to me. I have not, okay. but I'm pulling it up right now. No Olympics, no hockey. Oh, wow, yeah, I'm seeing the answers. So, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah those, those are some names you've heard of. Certainly if you paid attention last night, which, again, I, I do not uh, fault anyone of that. Uh, tune that off pretty quickly. I don't know. What if I pivoted? What if I came in here today and was like, I see nothing wrong with the All-Star game. Give me 211 to 200 or what 186 or whatever it was. What if I totally went against everyone? And thought, I would, That's a beautiful game. We got to see dunks and threes. Come on. What else do you want? I would strongly disagree. <laughs> You'd call me like a Like Carl Anthony Towns scoring, scoring 50 <laughs> points last night. I mean, I watched the whole game and I'm like, wait, he had 50? You know what his nickname is? The Big Purr. Do you like that? Oh. Do you I like thought you were going to go with the big, the big pig after Greg Doyle, who we had on earlier, was calling Damian Lillard that. He wasn't being a pig. Lillard was the one being a pig. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lillard it wasn't was. Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, Lillard pretty much said it post game. I, I, I wanted to be the MVP. What's, I was gunning. What's funny is all the guys that I thought were going to maybe be MVP, like I was like, ah, oh, what about Maxi? He's a young guy. They'll play him a lot. Maxi had 10 points, or I thought the same about Donovan Mitchell. You know, he'll go out there and gun a bunch. He had nine points, and then the other ones that I thought would, would be the ones would be uh, Steph Curry and uh, Luka. Luka had seven points and looked like he couldn't jump over a phone book. Before we get to the pop quiz, two changes. Elam ending, back in the game, and give me USA versus World. Okay, I'm fine with that. Like, Especially the all Elam this ending. was built up about East versus West. I'm like, what? Nobody I mean, cares. no. Right. Like, if anything, the East guys are going to hate each other more because they see each other more during the year. <laughs> or you know, like, there's not going to be this like let's band together because right. we're in the same conference. We're in the Eastern here. Conference, right? To me, USA World, you'd get a little bit more of that, and I don't think it'd be just like an Olympic thing because again, the World Team is going to look. I mean, the World ro- good team, roster yeah. would look. Wa- I mean, I'm, uh, I, I, it'd be, it'd I'm be just Joker. doing this out loud. Gildas Alexander. Yep. Joker. Yep. I, I guess, I mean, technically Luca. Embiid should be, uh, I mean, he's born in Cameroon. Obviously Giannis. <laughs> right there, boom. Yeah. 
Listen, I'm 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 good with it. I got I mean, no what, problem. You're preaching start, to the choir half with the me. starters were yeah, international guys last I got time. no problem with it. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Jiffy Lube oil change. Andy Sweeney, give us a number one through eight. Uh, let's go with number five if we can today. Caller number five. Who do we have? Steve. Steve. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm 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 doing well, Andy. And and in a turnabout, first of all, happy President's Day. You as well. And, uh, you know, and it's about here, who is the only president to have played Division One athletics? Uh, didn't Ford play at Michigan? That, you are correct, because <laughs> you played attention to Jake's most favorite show of the year, President's Day. Well, I can't say I, I did that, but um, no, I just remember studying presidents back in the day. Steve, how how you been, man? I, I'm, I'm doing great. Steve, you got a favorite president now that we're on the topic? You know, uh, it was the president I talked about earlier, Gerald Ford. Okay. Uh, offensive line, is that correct for him? Center? Center. Okay. Center. And was good, right? Like, wasn't just a nobody. Correct. Interesting here. You know what's funny? Uh, Steve mentions uh, Jake Query's favorite show, the President's Day show. Brace yourself from noon to three today. That's it. KB for Scotty. I wish you could have seen it. Mark you as well. For a split second, I saw I saw Bowen's face of kind of. Thank God I don't have to go through that today. (laughs) Or like I've been through that a couple times. I don't need to go through it today. Weather the storm. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say that is an accurate, accurate statement. Uh, Steve, thank you for calling in. Andy Sweeney, toss number one as well. All right, Steve, let's get a winner here on a Monday. The East beat the West 211-186 in last night's NBA All-Star game at the Fieldhouse. Who was the leading scorer in the game? Come on. Lillard, Halliburton, Carl Anthony Towns, Jalen Brown. Uh, Carl, the, the Towns guy. Yes. Point. The big purr. Steve, number two here. This guy is such a smooth player. Name the player holds the record for the most points in an NBA All-Star game. Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Wilt, or Steph Curry? Uh, Steph Curry. Question number three. Who scored the 200th point for the East last night? Was it Lillard, Halliburton, Jalen Brown, or Giannis? Jalen Brown. I swear Halliburton scored all his points at the start and the end. He like really when he did. got in the second quarter, all he did was pass. Yeah, I'm like, come on, right. man. But he did have a nice behind the back to Giannis. Um, okay, number four here. You say Jalen Brown. Okay. Four, second ranked Purdue lost at Ohio State yesterday. The Buckeyes were playing their first game under interim head coach Jake Diebler after firing Chris Holtman last week. Where did Diebler play college basketball? They mentioned this several times mm-hmm. on the telecast. Did he play at Ohio State, Butler, Indiana State, or Valpo? Uh, I didn't watch the game because I was stuck in traffic at uh, on West Street trying to get downtown yesterday, but he played at Valpo. That's good. Question number five. Rain uh, is supposed to move out of Daytona. Now, this morning, I guess, Scotty, that's happened Uh, yesterday. Everything was canceled. Since moving to the current track in 1959, there have only been five Daytona 500s uh, that did not go the full 200-lap distance. Who was the last driver to win a rain-shortened Daytona 500? Was it Matt Kenseth, Jimmy Johnson, Jamie McMurray, Michael Waltrip. Jamie McMurray. Steve, you're always so decisive. I respect that about you. Are you usually a gut instinct human? Uh, Don't ask my wife. (laughs) Well, touche there. Touche (laughs) there. Um, Okay, the ones he got right, Anthony Towns did have 50. 
Uh, and Valpo. He was all over Jake Diebler. Yeah, uh, but the it. most points in All-Star Game history, I think Jason Tatum is so smooth. Oh, he's 55 a beast. 55 for him last year. 200th point. Were you awake for that? Uh, no. you bail at that uh, point? I had, I had already bailed at that point, but I did see it this morning. That I would don't be blame Tyrese you. Halliburton. Matt Kenseth, by the way, not Jamie McMurray on that end. Steve, thank you for the call. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in so far. We'll do it one final time here. All right, final few minutes here on the show. You miss any of it, check it out, 1075thefan.com for all the podcast stuff. A lot of NBA All-Star festivity items, Purdue losers, Indiana as well. You can find it all there at 1075thefan.com. Query and company coming your way at noon, JMV at 3 o'clock. Are you guys ready to do uh, Goats of the Weekend? Let's do it. Who is the GOAT? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on. That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's here, baby! That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! Or GOAT! This guy sucks! Of the week! Alright, the good, the bad, your goats of the weekend. KB, do you want to fire away? You want to start on the good side? Sure. You know, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to one of the stars of the NBA individually. I brought this up at some point during the show, but Steph Curry uh, did a little contest last night where $1,000 he'd send to the IPS middle school basketball programs for every point he scored. Uh, media rule 101, I was openly cheering for more Steph Curry points last night. Uh, would have nice if Carl Anthony Towns would have known that and maybe passed Steph the ball a little bit more. 16 points for Steph, so 16,000 being sent again to the IPS middle school basketball programs. Love that from him. You know, I, I, I don't know. He's got zero ties whatsoever to this city uh, for him to uh, come into our market for All-Star Weekend and do something like that. Pretty cool, so... Uh, community service, a uh, little philanthropic side of Steph Curry. Thank you for that, Steph. Well, I know now we can't top that, Mark. He went to the he went to the charitable function of Steph Curry. I was going to bring up my go to the week was Rick Pitino. Uh, throw, Rick Pitino press conference was, was Rick Pitino <laughs> throwing his team under the bus and everyone being, how could you ever play for Pitino? I've covered like 150 Pitino press conference. He's done this to every team his entire life, multiple times every year. He tells you how much uh, how much his team stinks it up, but they actually may stink it up. Up this year my go to the week I think it's pretty easy Tyrese Halberton the guy was everywhere he was doing a million things getting pulled in 9,000 different directions from podcast to the crossover meet and greet which I saw him at he was all around town plus his duties Saturday and Sunday night he has been a great advocate for the city he did a tremendous job now rest today take a nap Gosh, relax is, get a massage uh, do something party Sunday but well done Tyrese the Sunday <laughs> scaries for Tyrese Halliburton <laughs> you did the city of Indianapolis very proud I thought no Ma- better ambassador I thought Matherin had a good weekend and, and, too and Turner as well I mean yeah, like you know I, all, thought, I think all the Pacers agreed. it was a lot that they had to do from a public appearance standpoint I guess I'll go there for my worst go to the week Andy you and I were in the thick of it on Saturday at the Indiana crossover <sighs> or at the NBA crossover I can't stand the autograph hoarders. <laughs> I mean, they're just... You mean, you mean the old guy, right? I mean, they've got bags of stuff like none other. I mean, they're run, trying to run down Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol's got a ton of security Dude, he, around he, him. He, he had 12 police officers around him. And these people 12. are sprinting through the convention well, center. Pau Gasol. He's a Hall of Famer. I'm, uh, you know, I'm biased. I got the little nephew there. I'm just like, can we just let Benedict Mather and sign his autographs to the little kids and move on? But no. Ben, yeah, this, oh, oh, don't put two 
anyone's name on there because no, this is going straight yeah. online. No, no, no. Don't say to Teddy here. Uh, I I need this to be sold. So the <laughs> autograph hoarders. Don't say it's too Teddy. I love that. Um, my one's going to be Wisconsin basketball. They lost to Iowa. They've lost five Tony out Perkins, of six. Tony Perkins, LN product they, for the they, game winner. They've lost five out of six, and still the committee had them as the 16th best team in the country over the weekend. Like, okay, they've lost five out of six. Mark? Uh, MLB free agency. There's too many big-name guys still out, out there, and spring training's underway. That stinks. It's dumb. God, it is spring training, isn't it? It's a good point. Uh, thank you to Greg Doyle. Thank you to Tony East. Tomorrow, franchise tag window is open. We'll chat about that. Rick Carlisle should be joining us as well. Everybody have a great President's Day.